0: Or they uh, <laughs> <kind> of... <laughs> try to
1: to anime baby where your feline fantasies are here this is your host perfectly cute and cat like mikey and joined with me as always is the viciously vile villainous grin ryan and welcome back to summer of heroes and oh man am i excited to get to this section right here oh yeah so my hero season two in the books in the pocket out of sight and now we're at the halfway point as we begin Season 3. Uh, how are you feeling now that we've reached this point in this uh, little summer series we have going on here?
2: Uh, knowing what we're about to get to, I'm super excited because anything involving, like, with our, our, our
1: soon-to-be uh, foes here is just... I'm, I'm a complete sucker for it. Yeah, like, uh, just... I'll just say this now, this is probably the best season of My Hero thus far, but it just, just, go, it just goes to show how the series has just been building and building and building itself up.
2: Oh yeah, well they've got a lot of action coming up on the way, as uh, we're about to uh, discuss here. A lot of drama on, on the way.
1: Oh, Very yeah. big turning point for the series. Yeah, even more so than the, the last part we covered. Oh yes, e- way more so, so I'm super excited. So just a little background on the airing of the season as it aired in Japan and streamed here in the States via Crunchyroll and Funimation with a simul dub from April 7th, 2018 to September 29th of the same year. So this will be one of the more recurrent things we would covered on this podcast aside from the uh, new seasons of Fooly Cooly because uh, those episodes ended about a month after uh, My Hero did. Hmm, I see.
2: Well, that'll probably change in the future once we uh, review other
1: seasons, seasons of other shows as they come. Oh yeah, definitely. So when we last left our heroes, all kinds of shit hit the fan for them. Running into a dangerous serial killer Stain who's killed many a hero, and before he got taken into custody, he shouted out his manifesto for all the world to hear as since inspired some dangerous looking creeps. Most noteworthy is that because of him, our resident man-child baddie Tomura Shigaraki has some newfound conviction and it has some big things in store with the assistance from his new and improved leaguey wee as well as the real brains of the operation. All for one. All for One, by the way, was revealed to have a hand in the creation of One for All and a hand in the death of All Might's teacher, the one that passed that quirk down to him. Though Deku doesn't know about that last part, at least yet anyway. And while all that was going on, our 1A kids were wrapping up their first semester and gearing up for the long-awaited summer camping trip. So I'm really excited to cover this because hot damn, it's a good one and I... (laughs) want to get right into it well if you thought shit hit the fan before like just wait it's about to hit the like industrial grade fan yeah. coming up next. <laughs> it's gonna like spray all over like that scene where that one big beefy nazi gets cut up in uh, raiders of the lost ark <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be uh well I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say it's gonna be as big a bloodbath as that but uh it's gonna be just as satisfying yes We're talking the first half of My Hero Academia Season 3, the training camp, and hideout raid arcs. So without further ado, let's start the show!
0: それ
1: kick off with our openings and endings for this part of the season we have the opening odd future by uberworld the same group that did the op to the promised neverland recently oh really i didn't know that and the ending update by miwa who's no stranger to shonen anime as she did the 12th opening to bleach Hmm, very nice so what do you think of the uh, opening and ending to uh, this part of the season i think they're
2: quite fine i quite like them quite a bit gets you like nice and properly hyped up for what's to come
1: for this arc yeah, and also uh, I do remember that the uh, the opening was a bit divisive amongst fans because you know you had people who'd love it and people who'd hated it but uh, me personally I kind of really liked it it's really catchy I don't get th- I don't get that though like why get like so uppity about like ops like that though? well it's not so much uppity it's more like oh this song's not great but people saying like no this song's awesome mm. so it's kind of like one of those either you love it or you hate it oh I,
2: I, I guess so but uh, no I quite like this one I, I like this one quite a bit though gets yep. you super excited for all the uh very heavy stuff that is to come sets it up all nicely hypes you up that's uh, all it really does for me not as big a fan as the ending though i don't know i think
1: the i think the ending is just a little a little plain with its visuals i kind of like the kind of concept art thing that they're kind of going with there that's but uh as for that i think the song is just all right Yeah, the song is just kind of alright, especially, I don't know, it's a weird pairing for some
2: of the heavy stuff we're going to be getting up later on as well. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. It does not contrast well at all.
1: Mm -hmm. It really doesn't. I don't like it very much in that regard. Yeah, but uh, for the opening, I I really do like it, and uh, I also also find it's one of the openings, one of the My Hero openings is, like, the most of an earworm, because, like, I often find myself kind of just humming... Uh, the chorus to myself, you know that I keep my ideals. Meow meow. Mm,
2: I see. I see. I think I'm more like that with like the very
1: first opening of the series, but uh, it's just me. So we have our first episode, Wild Wild pussycats kick off with 1A all set and ready to go to camp. But this is no ordinary camp, as this camp our young heroes will be training in, they'll be working hard with little leisure time, as they plan to go beyond even harder than they ever gone before. So, go beyond plus or ultra uh, You ever went to summer camp when you were younger? Summer camp? You know, believe it or
2: not, I've never been to a summer camp. Really? As a kid. Actually, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Could I have possibly gone to one? I'm not sure. Because, like, I do recall going to, I believe, Wolfridge. Oh, I I went there before. Yeah, I have been to Wolfridge before, but I think that was, like, an end of school year trip, though. I don't think that was technically... That wasn't technically a summer camp. It was a summer trip from school, you know, and you were among other kids. And you did outdoorsy stuff, but not technically a summer camp i was never much of a summer
1: camp person yeah i have actually gone to a summer camp before it was like back in 2005 2006 where i went to this uh japanese summer camp up up north in minnesota yeah like you told me weeks. about yeah, that, yeah. that before yeah it was like a lot of fun but i feel like if i go there like with like you know the anime knowledge that i have now i probably have even more fun and be more of a dork there oh you'd be marking out like here and there. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i remember having a lot of fun
2: with that yeah, yeah, but, uh, no, never, never really... Well, then again, gr- as I was growing up, uh, through my, um, uh, I don't know, like, uh, tens and, t- like, pre-teen years, you know, I just wasn't as, uh, outdoorsy a kid as I, uh, uh, would perceive myself today. Nowadays, I'm all game for, like, a hiking trip. I would totally be game for a camping trip. But I think we... Actually, I remember quite well, uh, my family had a really bad experience, uh, camping one year, and my, my parents are the type of people where if they have one bad experience, that paints their perception of that experience from now until forever. Like that's just it, no more. <laughs> like that's just it. Like if they, like if if like we could have like tons of good trip experiences going to Duluth, out on Canal Park, but it would just take one bad year for us to never go again. That's all it would take. Uh... And that's what happened with our camping experiences when I was young. It took one bad experience where we weren't very well prepared. And then my dad just never brought up a camping trip ever again. Oh, I gotcha. So yeah, for so yeah, growing up, my uh, summer experiences haven't been super outdoorsy, and it's no surprise that I would've never gone to a summer camp growing up.
1: Yeah, I kind of really want to get out um, more outdoorsy, like these past summers, because like for a while it's just like uh, I'm just crammed in the house, you know, getting away from the heat. Then again, the heat, though. The heat, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a bit of Minnesota, a problem. This Minnesota heat. The land of extremes, as I call it. It will bake you alive. Yeah. So everybody's really excited to go to camp, especially Uraraka, as she gets a little too close to a Deku's face, you know, talking about camp, which uh, makes him blush. And I like this little back and forth between the two of them, where she's all like, hey, what's the matter? Oh, I'm just a little hot. Uh, More like a lot hot, thought Uraraka, probably. <laughs> <laughs> as she backs away blushing herself. <laughs> We're in that stage of the relationship, folks. Yeah, she's still thinking about uh, Aoyama, questioning her feelings about Deku, and uh, like we said in the previous podcast, this is going to be a running thing going forward.
2: Oh yeah, especially with Aoyama. That's that's not going to end. That's not going to (laughs) end.
1: fucking Aoyama, man. Like, he's just gonna be meddling. He's <laughs> just, like, in the back of your mind with, like, that little grin and, like, those twinkling eyes, just, like, staring right into your heart. <laughs> <laughs>
2: gonna be, I don't know, like, I don't know, so, some moments later in the series kind of imply like he's maybe, I don't know, playing Cupid a little bit or something, but... <laughs> he I don't does know, know, he's, look like he could be a Cupid. He does look like he could be a Cupid. You know, just instead of, like, an... Just instead of arrows, he fires concussive blasts from yeah, his, I belly I his belly button. Yeah, out his <laughs>
1: belly button, yeah. Yeah. Though I do want to appreciate how, uh, you know, Uraraka backing away from Deku and just, like, quickly changing the subject to, uh, to, uh, talk about camp is, I do really like that how this isn't the tired trope of, like, the whole girl going, nah, I don't like you, shut up, you don't know, b b
2: yeah, yeah, we're we're not going into that
1: Sundere territory, thing. Yeah, like I know I keep harping on Black Clover, especially when we do our My Hero episodes. But like,
2: yeah, I understand you brought it up because you 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 just it's it's like fresh in your mind from that.
1: Yeah, it's just like it's one of the many instances of My Hero doing things way better than Black Clover. Where like, you know, in that show, you have Noel being the atypical Sondre archetype. Where like, whenever she's close to Asta, she's like so fucking annoying and it just completely screws up her character being all like shut up and slapping people around and all that right right
2: well it helps that these two characters clearly got got feelings for each other
1: too yeah here you have like Uraraka being embarrassed when she's confronted with her feelings and they're both dorks about it too yeah so
2: they just like trip each other up
1: yeah and also they act like normal people Mm mhm like, you know, being conflicted with your feelings, second-guessing yourself, you know, like, wondering if, like, really liking someone could, like, mess up your current dynamic. That's a very real thing. Yeah,
2: that's it's, that's a very real thing
1: that people go through, you know. It's a bit relatable. Also, it's just really fucking cute. It's so adorable. And it's all the more endearing. <laughs> <laughs> Though 1A isn't the only ones attending this camp, as 1B will be right behind them, including nobody's boy, Nato, worse than Mineta Monoma. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, his shit-talking is stopped by Kendo. Yeah, you can always rely on Kendo to be around to put him in his place. Uh, She's still neat. (laughs) So 1A is on their way, and after a one-hour bus ride, they arrived at a supposed rest stop. But this is no ordinary rest stop, as here we're introduced to a couple of new characters here to assist with the kids' training camp. Say meow, as we meet Mandalay, played here by Jill Harris, and Pixie Bob, played here by Jeremy Lee, one half of the Wild Wild Pussycats. A superhero group that has been around since one a were little little kids, but uh, uh, don't say that out loud as they're eighteen at heart, at least according to Pixie Bob.
2: <laughs> uh, thoughts on these two? Okay, one I was super excited just to learn that there are like su- actual superhero teams in this universe, and what's more, they have like such cute like gimmicks as yes. the Wild <laughs> Wild pusky, pussy Pussycats. <laughs> you know we'll see more of their team members later on you know but already i really dug the like cat gimmick they got here the synchronicity you know it feels it feels almost like super sentai ish yeah it really does and i love
1: all the cat puns you know say me out perfectly cute they
2: kind of look like per- like uh they kind of look like perf- like uh magical girl performers you would see in like japan like, yeah. in stage shows and stuff mm-hmm. except they actually kick ass here oh yeah
3: definitely
2: <laughs> Oh, yeah, and Mandalay and Pixie Bob are both, like, uh, pretty nice characters right here. They're a whole lot of fun, (laughs) especially Pixie Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah, with, like, her obsession over being, like, young and stuff, Mm -hmm. which is... I think I looked this up a little bit. I believe the Pixie Bob Cat... I think this is, like, a little bit of, like, meta humor, but I think the Pixie Bob Cat is actually the breed of cat that stays in its um, kitten years the longest, Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to, like... Most cats that are usually kittens for about like a year or so. Uh, I believe the Pixie Bobs stage, I, re- I really don't want this to be messed up here <laughs> with my knowledge because I did look this up. I'm pretty sure it's right, but I believe it lasts four years. Yes. Four years It's uh, in its like infancy, technically. Yep. So then you've got that
1: name attached to a character that is obsessed with being young. Yeah, and also very clingy. Yeah, very clingy as well. So with all these intros out of the way, the training camp has begun. Wait, what? So 1A is thrown into the proverbial deep end as Pixie Bob uses her quirk of earth manipulation to launch all the kids into the air and down a cliff into the forest below. (laughs) Just like, no messing around, get ready to go. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's on now. So 1A has to travel on foot the rest of the way to camp, and if they don't make it there in three hours, then no lunch for them. Also, they have to deal with Pixie Bob making all kinds of Earth monsters with her quirk, like these really scary, almost kaiju-looking quirk monsters. Can
2: I just say right now that her quirk is ridiculously overpowered? It really is. When you think about it, she, she's an Earthbender, Yeah, she is an Earthbender. She's an Earthbender. Like, if we're talking about, like, characters from, like, like Avatar, I'd say she's, like, a King Boomy level. <laughs> Earthbender, so she's pretty dang skilled. (laughs) And I'm like, what is she doing like here like in a team?
1: She could be like a hero all on her own. She's not the leader. I'm pretty sure Mandalay's the leader. You think a power like this would make you almost like... Well, Pixie Bob started the team, but I believe Mandalay is the leader. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe that's how it went. Yeah. So yeah, you would think so. You would think so. Yeah, but maybe she's not like, you know, still being like a kitten. She's not mature enough to handle leadership roles.
2: Hmm, that could be it. Uh, Well, I think it is clarified in a manga that she really likes cats, too, so you can probably (laughs) imagine the seriousness that she's taking all this. Mm. (laughs) Especially since it seems like she's the one who gets the the most in to all the cat
1: puns. Yeah, she has the most of them. She's in this job for the cat puns. She's in it for, like, the cats. Yeah, Mandalay not so much, but she gets a little summon here and there. Precisely. Also, this whole thing of, like, you know grabbing all the kids and just throwing them off a cliff. I kinda get vibes of uh in uh the Tekken games, you know, the backstory of uh Kazia, how he was uh thrown off a cliff when he was like five years old by Heihachi and, you know, he did this to like, you know, toughen him up, you know, you're so weak, I'll throw you off this cliff, and then you have to climb back up if you want to survive. I'm just already surprised right now that you know anything about Tekken lore. <laughs> hey man, I'm into fighting games. <laughs> I just now
2: learned that. <laughs> well the Tekken part, you know. I gotta I gotta write that
1: down in my uh <laughs> my notebook mikey likes tekken okay, <laughs> and mr aizawa is basically doing the same thing as he plans on cramming a second semester's worth of lessons during the camp in order to strengthen 1a and get them ready to obtain provisional licenses in order to do hero work outside of school more on that next time And during this, we get to see another instance of 1A's unity as they work together to fight their way through the forest against all these Earth monsters to get to camp. Oh yeah, because compared to all the other kids their grade, they're like veterans right now. Yeah, I mean, like what, they've dealt with like villains on like three different occasions at this point? Hmm, that they have. So they know what they're doing here. They know how to hold their own. And I love the whole teamwork. Like, you know, you have uh, Shoji and Jiro using their quirks to do recon, and you have like... Mineta using his balls to trap a monster onto a tree while Kaminari gets on top of it and shocks it while also frying his brain.
2: Yeah, yeah, everybody's really showing off their skill. I mean, I don't know how Kaminari is doing anything because you can't electrocute Earth, but... No, everybody's doing a pretty good job here, like,
1: showing A-grade cooperativeness. Yeah, you can kind of give him a cookie for effort. (laughs) (laughs) And also you have, like, Uraraka floating up a monster while Sue uses her tongue to fling it higher in the air and then... Uraka releases it and then it just comes crashing down. Oh, it's very clever. Very cl- clever use of skills. Yeah. And I also like how like some of the students that don't have like the physical quirks still get in on this. Like, uh, Hagakure distracts a monster, you know, running away, going like, oh, help me, I'm so helpless. And then... Uh, and
2: Koda even, uh, uh, even talks to the birds to try
1: yeah. and uh, disorient the monsters. And then, like, uh, when Hagakure is uh, distracting a monster, then our girls, Mina and Yairouzu, uh melt and blast them away with cannons. Yeah, yeah. It's it's v- very smart scene here. And then you have the big dogs like Bakugo, Todoroki, Ida, and Deku taking out the monsters with just pure physical strength. Oh yeah, they
2: they know they know. This is the
1: same old song for them. Yeah, it's just like yeah, been there, done that. So about eight hours later, so missing that three-hour uh, benchmark. Jesus Christ, eight <laughs> hours. 1A arrives at camp, battered and bruised, but still victorious. Sorry, there will be no lunch. <laughs> you
2: know they probably had to, like, eat some mushrooms along the way. Yeah. Along those eight <laughs> hours. Eight hours
1: straight of fighting. They probably had to, like, eat some bark or something. They have Mineta, like, uh, test out the mushrooms to see if they're poisonous or not. <laughs> he would be the guy to test them all. Yeah. You would love to use them as a guinea pig for anything dangerous. <laughs> but despite taking it so long the Pussycats are still impressed with them because they thought it would have taken them even longer so what were they thinking like it was gonna take like take them like 12 hours (laughs) and they did a pretty impressive job even Pixie Bob feels like giving some of the boys a smooch yeah for their efforts (laughs) yeah definitely in the midst of being showered with praise from Pixie Bob, who is probably in heat.
4: Okay, wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, can I just, like, comment about, like, how weird of, like, a moment that was? Where, like, <laughs> I it was just like, man, is Pixie... We're like, you know, Pixie Bob is trying to give, like, old lady smooches to, like, the top boys that, like, got out of it all, you know? And I it was just like, has she always been like this? And Mandalay just goes, eh, it's gotten even worse lately. She's, she's getting on in her years, and she's trying to look for a mate. Yeah. And I'm like... I'm sorry. Like, what kind of language is this? Are we using with this woman right here, <laughs> <laughs> referring to her like she's a cat in heat? You gotta keep the cat thing going, man. That's how the pussy cats roll. <laughs> I saw. Well, you don't know how bad it's getting. We say we like saved some people off. We saved like a mountain climber once, you know, and like he was going over and thanking Pixie Bob, and she presented <laughs> to him. <laughs> She just laid on her back, tummy
1: exposed, just, like, waiting to get rubbed. The man was very nice for not suing us. (laughs) Do you think, like, uh, Mandalay has, like, a a squirt bottle and, like, a utility belt just on hand in case, like, she gets a little too ambunctious? (laughs) No. No, Pixie Bob. No. We do not present... (laughs) (laughs)
2: We do not present to our rescuees. We do not
1: present to our rescuees. So uh, Deku asks about the elephant in the room, or rather the small child in what looks to be wearing one of those uh, bootleg Darlene the Franks hats. <laughs> yeah, because we've been having this little kid off to the side for a little bit of time here now. This here is Kota, Mandalay's cousin's son, played here by Cassandra Lee Morris. And Deku does the polite thing and introduces himself to the young lad. And he responds with a Bobby Hill-esque,
5: That's my purse! I don't know you! (laughs) To the
1: groin. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, as Koda's walking away and Deku's just reeling in pain, Ida comes running in saying, What a low blow! You fiend of a child! A punch to the scrotum is unforgivable! (laughs)
2: I'm Koda, and you're watching Jackass. <laughs>
1: I was also kind of thinking of uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who like spent all of 2018 <laughs> punching AJ Styles in the groin every chance he got. <laughs> it's been one week since you put a punch me in the balls. <laughs> and also, I love the noise that Justin Briner makes when Deku just reels back that...
2: Oh yeah, he sells it so well. Like, like he just, like he just knows how that must have felt. <laughs> <laughs> all the students run up to him, and Mineta's all like,
1: "Victoria, you've been punched in the testicles."
2: <laughs> is, there, is there any way we could like Photoshop Coda's face over like a picture of the cock knocker <laughs> from Jane Silent Bob? <laughs> Oh, that kid will make
1: a good hero one day. The cock, the character, cock- <laughs> <go to> Kota Cockknocker. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> um, the scene made even better with Bakugo giving his first genuine happy smile in the in, in the entire series thus far. At the I, sight not- of I noticed getting that. Hit in the testicles.
2: I noticed that the first this time I went through like Bakugo actually looks kind of like proud, like he actually has like a genuine smile on his face. He's all like.
1: Ugh. This kid's got spunk. <laughs> hey, I heard you called us wannabe heroes. Unforgivable. But then I saw what you did to Deku. Very funny. So, I'm conflicted.
2: <laughs> okay, that's that's a high five right there. There we go. <laughs> I, would have, uh, I would not have thought of that one. <laughs>
1: So after getting cleaned up and probably getting some ice for Deku's junk... Yes, because
2: we, 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 cause we gotta move on from the dick jokes here, because the dick-knocking jokes
1: here, because we could go on for like 30 more minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, and also get Deku a Z-pack or two. <laughs> <laughs> the kids get some dinner in them, and they take a soak in the hot springs, because according to the rules of anime, there must always be a hot spring scene. Grapist, of course, tries to take a peek at the girls, but as he climbs up the wall, partitioning the two baths, he's greeted by Kota on guard duty, who shoves Mineta off the wall. Raku goes right, this kid does have spunk.
2: <laughs> I don't know, a little bit of a predictable scene. I mean, as soon as you, like, hear hot spring, you're just like,
1: oh, I know where this is gonna go. <laughs> yeah, but it's all the more funny seeing Mineta just get, like, smacked around. Oh, yeah, if it means we get him, like, if it means we get to see him smacked around, then yeah. Unfortunately, he comes flying in naked into Ida with his butt in his face. <laughs> Poor Ida. But, unfortunately for Koda, he gets a glance at the girls when they all thank him, and he faints and falls off the wall, but Deku is there to save him. Deku takes Coda to Mandalay, and while he rests, we get the lowdown on why Coda doesn't like heroes all that much. And we get the reveal in a pretty heavy scene where Mandalay and Pixie Bob reveal that Coda's parents were pro-heroes that died in the line of duty. People commend them for their bravery and sacrifice, but to Koda, a young kid, that doesn't mean anything to him because, noble or not, he still lost his parents.
2: Yeah, yeah, just, it's this brief moment, it's like this nice little moment that we see reverberated through some of these uh, episodes as to, um... How uh, the uh, people in, in between the heroes and the villains, the ones that, like, in the
1: background of it all, can suffer through it. And, you know, it, like, it makes sense. Like, to him, he does, like, he's all, like, who cares about sacrifice? That's not going to bring my parents back to life. Yeah, and this won't be the last time we see that kind of effect on people, too. Also, another thing is, like, it also feels incredibly real to, like, the real world. Because, you know, you can have, like, kids who have parents or other family members who are, like, police officers or firefighters or even them in the military who, like, die in the line of duty. And they're all, they can go through the same exact thing. Oh, later in the series. <laughs> oh, that, and that'll become very clear. And also gotta hand it to Horikoshi uh, covering a real-world subject in this fun fantasy superhero shonen world and doing it really well. Because uh, naturally, like, heroes die, you know, so naturally they would leave something behind. Yeah. Anyway, enough heavy subjects as day two of camp is underway and Mr. Aizawa plans on putting 1A through the ringer. He's gonna work them until they puke. Oh, and uh, Uraraka, since your quirk already makes you puke, then... You have to uh, puke double. (laughs) Yeah, because now it's time to see our characters suffer. Which brings us to the next episode, Kota. So what does 1A's intense training entail? Basically, overusing and pushing their quirks to the absolute limit. Then when they reach that limit, continue to push it even harder. So that's that going beyond or plus or ultra style I was talking about earlier.
2: Well, it kind of applies
1: to muscles, though when your muscles really hurt, you're not supposed to like actually destroy them. Yeah, that's like how, that's basically strength training, you know, because like when you're working out, you basically destroy your muscle tissue, and then when it heals up, it comes back stronger. The way it makes it sound is like they're just like absolutely destroying themselves, like ripping themselves in two. I mean, basically, that's kind of what they're doing. Uh, <laughs> you have any favorites of like the little uh, training here? sarah of course who's just like has to yeah. stand there
2: in a cliff all day and just fire out his tape <laughs> it looks like he's just in like
1: absolute agony he's just screaming in pain going <laughs> 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 i don't know how i make this tape and it's hurting me <laughs> like
2: little streamers just like shooting of me uh never stops to get a laugh out of me. Big props to Sato and Yayurotsu, though, whose whole regimens are just, like, eating stuff yeah. <laughs> and
1: working out. Yeah, like, Sato has, like, basically, like, a full wedding cake next to him, and he's just, like, stuffing his face while in one hand he's got, like, dumbbells just, like, pumping iron. Well, yeah, because he's got like, to,
2: like, work with, like, the vomit factor that he's eating an entire, like, wedding cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was always just coming by, like, hey, you're not, hey, Sato, Sato, no, look at me, look at me right now. Don't look, don't look away. Look me in the eyes right now. You got this. You've got about three, you've got two more levels to go with this cake, okay? Okay, I'm not asking, I'm not asking you to eat, the, <laughs> I'm not asking you eat, You to eat the wedding topper. Well, naturally, you're going to have to eat it eventually, but, <laughs> but you can, you've you got this, just like, massage your throat as you go. Just like, just hork it down. No, don't go too fast. Don't go too fast. You got to go just the right level right here.
1: You got this, buddy. And after that, you got to eat through a whole tray of funeral fudge. <laughs> And I like that Yaya Rose, You like, she doesn't get a big cake. She get, she just gets, like, little boxes of, like, bonbons. <laughs> <laughs> you know she probably, like, was recommended to bring those from home. <laughs> probably. <laughs> she can afford it. Yeah. And I also like uh, Bakugo's training where, like, he sticks his, both of his arms into, like, boiling hot water and then just to produce sweat and then just like, releases them into, like, big explosions above his head. And you can just hear him in the background of, like, any scene he's in where he's just, like... Blowing stuff off and just, like, cursing, going, like, Damn it! What the hell? Let's throw this! <laughs> oh, yeah, he's probably getting into this. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Todoroki, his kind of looks kind of relaxing, where, like, he simultaneously heats up the bath he's in and then freezes it, like, going back and forth between, like, fire and ice. it has got to be putting his body into some kind of shock, though. That like, is. Bringing, like, switching it between, like, extreme heat and extreme, like, cold temperatures. Yeah. That can't be good for him. Yeah, but still, he looks cool as a cucumber. <laughs> 1B gets a good look at all this training and it's rightfully scaring the piss out of them. But they need to put those fears aside and train as hard as 1A is and both classes will be getting help from not just Mandalay and Pixie Bob, but also the rest of the wild wild ball pussycats. As we are introduced to Ragdoll, played here by Tia Ballard, hashtag your Tia, and Tiger, played here by Marcus Stigmac. Uh, thoughts on the rest of the members of this group? Is it
2: sad that it was only, like, recently that I realized that all their names are references to cat breeds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I legit did not know what a Pixie Bob Mandalay or Ragdoll was before this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, like, in seeing the whole team, it's, it's, it's so, it's all so perfect. They, they all work so well to each other, with each other. the, the, the colors, their appearances, their disposition, it's... Mm, it's like a, it's like a nice, delicious cake that Sato would consume for <laughs> training purposes. <laughs> Although, can I just say right now that their designation as their their designation is that they're heroes who specialize in mountain rescues.
1: Correct. Yes. Is there a lot of mountain rescue on a regular basis well, to I mean, qualify that? Japan's got a good amount of mountains. You might as well like try to have people who like. People are nearby, you know. I
2: guess, like if there's any accident like at, on like Mount Fuji or, or something, like, rock like, or anything
1: like that. I guess so. I mean, sure it's just earthquake. kind of a weird way to like classify yourselves as heroes. I'm pretty sure like earthquakes also can kind of like uh, have effect on the mountains too. Hmm, true, I
2: suppose, but I don't know. Just like looking at like the way their quirks like interact, though, it's just kind of like weird, though, in my opinion.
1: And also, uh, like you brought up before with uh, Pixie Bob, uh, all their names are, like, different versions of cats, and I actually have uh, the other, like, uh, characteristics of uh, the other cats here as well. So Mandalay cats tend to be uh, very friendly and sweet-natured. Ragdoll cats are often referred to as puppy cats, since they tend to be almost dog-like in their personalities, being so loving and often seeking physical attention. And also, as their name suggests, they often, like, flop around a lot. (laughs) Oh, okay. I, this I didn't know. And Tiger goes without saying. Yeah, that goes without saying. He's a big buff. Ooh. He's got beef. beef. He's got beef. And that will be a good time to uh, talk about Tiger, as he is officially a trans male character that's very well handled in Holy
2: this. Holy fucking shit. Like, first like trans character in a shonen I've seen in, like, ever. Like, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to think off the top of my head... Without resorting to like you know stereotypes or negative portrayals before, of any kind of character like this before, mm-hmm. <laughs> like although I mean I'll just go from, go right here on record to say that nothing in One Piece counts. No, nothing in One Piece counts because that's any any character of that caliber in there is just a joke. Yeah, know? it's it's all stereotypes and jokes. Yeah, it's all just stereotypes and jokes. But no, like I'm I'm legit surprised at this, and I'm so incredibly happy.
1: Yeah, and also it was, like, one of those things that wasn't actually said in the, in the story. It was one of those things that uh, Horikoshi added in, like, the little, like, uh, info stuff that's in between chapters in the manga. I believe his
2: exact words were, used to be a woman, and then they went to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> so that was his kind of way to get it across. Short and
1: sweet. But uh, really well handled, and, like, yeah, no jokes at, at his expense about being a trans male
2: no, none whatsoever, no jokes about it or anything, it's, like, just totally
1: accepted. Which is, like, really rare, especially for something made in Japan, because, fuck, like, I love works that from Japan, I love a lot of the anime and the video games and stuff, but goddammit, a lot of their, tra- there's so many fucking trans jokes that are just really, really awkward.
2: Yeah, they're still really behind as far as, like, trans portrayal
1: goes. Like, I love Persona 5, but there are one or two scenes in there that just kind of, like, little you know tugging the collar a bit there
2: like where you're just kind of reminded oh yeah they're they're still a little bigoted they're worse (laughs) than we are here (laughs) but it's it's so refreshing to see like a legit good portrayal here so kudos horikoshi kudos
1: and not the only lgbtq character in my hero as uh 13 is officially listed as non-binary where if you remembered in the uh, previous podcast, whenever thirteen comes up, I always use the pronouns they and them because officially they're non-binary.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's also really cool
1: as well. So like, it's it's you know like like people from different pers- uh, across the different spectrums, you know. Yeah. Also, I gotta say, I love the way that uh, Tiger is uh, training Deku. As it looks like he's having him do like. Jazz aerobics while also switching into combat mode to, like, throw a few punches. (laughs) It'd be great if, like, the music uh, Deku was uh, dancing to was uh, that uh, National Aerobics Championship theme from that uh, one Keen peel sketch. (laughs) (laughs) And someone's off-screen going, like, keep smiling, keep dancing. (laughs) So after a day-long training sesh, it's time for dinner, but the pussycats aren't going to cook for them, and instead 1A and 1B have to cook for themselves. Another aspect of the training. And nice little moment here as uh, Todoroki uses his fire quirk to help everyone start their own fires to cook their curry, and he uh, gives a little smile when he sees how uh, his classmates really appreciate his help and his quirk. He's continuing to get more comfortable with himself, is our Todoroki here.
2: Yes, it's it's a yeah, small moment,
1: but it shows that he's uh, getting a little bit better accepting it. Yeah. And while everyone is enjoying themselves, Kota doesn't want any of this and walks away to his secret spot on the side of a cliff. Like Mailhouse, this is where he comes to cry. Deku follows him, and they have a little one-on-one heart-to-heart, and I'll splice it in.
4: <laughs> Spending your entire life trying to improve your quirk? It's dumb! All you want to do is show off! Get lost!
6: Hey, about your parents. I was wondering... Were they the Water Hose Heroes with the water (gasps) quirks? Did Mandalay tell Uh, you? No, it's um... Well, sorry, but... I heard a little about what happened to them. And based on that information, I figured... I remember reading about that horrible incident a few years ago.
4: (sighs) Go away. Everyone here is so crazy. Calling people stupid names like Hero and Villain and then killing each other because of it. Always focusing on their quirks. If they hadn't been showing off, they'd still be here. Idiots.
6: It's not just heroes. Coda hates quirks, and this entire superhuman society.
4: We're done here. Go back to camp with the other losers. Um. Hey,
6: Maya, uh, my friend. This guy I knew really well. He didn't inherit any abilities from his parents. Huh. It's a hereditary thing, and these days it's really uncommon. He admired heroes so much and wanted to be one. Thing is, you can't usually become a hero unless you've got some kind of quirk. But still, my friend refused to accept that and hoped for a miracle. He tried to use telekinesis and to breathe fire, but it was no good. There are lots of different ways to think about how quirks work, so we might not be on the same page. But I think that if you reject them completely, it's just going to make life harder in so many ways. Will you just leave me alone already? Go away! I'm sorry. I guess I have a habit of rambling sometimes. Here, I'll leave the curry.
4: (laughs) Shut up, all of you. Just
1: stop it. Uh, What do you think of the scene between uh, Deku and Kota here? Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful.
2: It's it's, it's a nice, real good uh, bonding moment. Uh, It's the big one for the arc uh, before uh, things happen. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it's, it's, it's an interesting moment because, you know, Midoriya is trying to uh, reach out to somebody as a hero, but he's reaching out to somebody who is inherently untrustworthy of heroes. And um, he rightfully uh, backs down from Coda a little bit here and just kind of lets him know that uh, he's he's there for him if he needs them. But he doesn't encroach too hard because he does kind of realize that if he uh, does that too much, then he's uh, pretty much meddling into their affairs, and kind of uh, making it seem like he's trying to take it upon his uh, own shoulders to fix Koda in some way, so uh, Midoriya handles it uh, quite well here.
1: I also like how uh, Deku tries to tell a story about, like, uh, his personal experience with How Like, he he didn't grow up with any, and then he got one, and he gained more of an appreciation with them. But he doesn't say, like, oh, this happened to me. He says, "Uh, this was my friend, you know, he's trying to, like... He wants to get on Koda's level, but not try to make it about himself or get himself over to go. He's just trying to make an initial connection there. Yeah, no, try to say, like, this could happen to anyone, you know. So the next day, the training continues, but not only is there physical lessons, but also regular school lessons, as Mina, Kirishima, Kaminari, Sero, and Sato have to do their remedial lessons. If you remember, they failed their final exams. And later that day, Deku and Todoroki have a little conversation about Kota and Deku's left wondering what would All Might say to Kota in his position. Todoroki brings up that maybe it's not what he says is the thing, but rather what he does. He tells Deku that he needs to show Kota the good that quirks can do. And another great scene here, and I really like how they. this is another brief callback to uh, their fight as Todoroki brings up that Deku has a way of using his actions to get through to people. Hmm, yes... But though he does mention that it can be kind of annoying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like when do you have to be such a hero? Like when do you have to be such a s when do you have to be such a boy scout? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't you let someone else do it? Why not let I don't know Mineta help out
1: people with their problems?
2: And eh, don't worry, Deku. Superman gets the same kind of shit, so you're doing
1: something right here. And then eventually you'll get be made into a movie made by a hack director who tries to make you into Jesus. <laughs> It's always a good day to shit on Zack Snyder. Yeah, there is no Snyder Cut. Shut the fuck up about that. (laughs) (laughs) And so night rolls around, and the Pussycats have a little reward for the students for their hard work so far. Except for our five failures, as they have more remedial lessons. Losers. (laughs) Loser. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the face that Mina pulls when she freaks out about this, like, you know, just like, she's all happy, and then the camera just like, zooms right into her as she gets all bug-eyed and like uh, she changes color to from her usual pink to like black and white with like deep outlines and everything oh they're such dumb darlings and also can of to the animators for that scene and also caitlin glass for like that scream and freak out <laughs> anywho it's time for the summertime anime tradition of the test of courage some students will team up in pairs to walk through the dark forest getting the literal crap scared out of them others will do the scaring and whoever does the best scare wins to quote Tokayami, Revelry in the Dark. <laughs> He's getting a little creepy with that, like repeating that in this yeah. section. <laughs> Don't know what's wrong with him. He just like any on his like his social media bio which just says Revelry in the Dark all the time, and he just has it like written all over in his notebooks and su- and everything like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just sharing like evanescence ambies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all seems to go well. Everyone's having a safe and scary good time, but then it happens. Kendo and other 1B students get caught in some seemingly poisonous gas. Smoke appears above the forest as it looks like it's on fire. Pixie Bob is forcibly pulled away by some sort of magnetic force. Sue and Uraraka are stalked by everyone's favorite psycho killer, not Tommaso Ciampa. And Deku realizes that Kota is missing. Training camp has been interrupted by the League Weegy's Vanguard Action Squad. Two episodes into Season 3... And shit has gotten real. I fucking love this. Ooh, my evil baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. They have arrived. No messing around. Here's another villain attack this early in the season. <laughs> Which brings us to the third episode My Hero. I, I, I actually believe it's a uh, Boku no Hero. <laughs> it's my hero. Just shut up. <laughs> We see Kota is at his hidey hole thinking about the conversation with Mandalay about how one day he'll understand heroes and that someone will come to his life and show him this. But no time to think about that more because he sees the shit that's currently going down. So cut to five minutes earlier as Aizawa is dragging our five failures in for their extra lessons. And they aren't the only ones, as it turns out, Monoma also failed his exams, but he still takes this moment to mock 1A for having five failures while 1B had only one. <laughs> not, not, not a dumb darling, him, no. He's all like, oh, hey, you only have you have five failures while only one person in 1B failed? Ah, I guess we won again. 1B rules. Screw you, 1A. <laughs> I'm sorry, who's the guy who has to touch people first in order to, like, actually have it be of use to anyone? <laughs> I also love that Mina has the line where she goes, I'm kind of worried about him. <laughs> I, I, I worry about Monoma, too. I really do. Yeah, it's just like, someone needs to watch
2: him. I, I don't want to meet his parents.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But they're interrupted by Mandalay using her telepath quirk to mentally inform everyone about the villains. Aizawa springs into action, but is jumped by Dabi. Back with the group that's been cornered by the baddies, who have Pixie Bob hostage, we're introduced to the Leagueys members, Spinner, played by Larry Brantley, and Big Sis Magnet, played here by Jeremy Inman. And with Big Sis Magnet, we have our second trans character in the series, as she's trans female. Hey! Two for two for two for here. Two for two here. <laughs> Good
2: on well, you. I mean, I can't clap too hard, because they have, like, literally murdered
1: people. Yeah. <laughs> but still, hey, you know, supporting ya. Yeah, supporting ya. Yeah. <laughs> Not the killing, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Solidarity. As for their quirks, Spinner has the obvious gecko quirk, and Big Sis has a magnetism quirk which is how she dragged Pixie Bob away. I'm so glad you mentioned the gecko quirk. The gecko quirk because, because that
2: is literally like a quirk that like it explains itself.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: and I have no idea why Horikoshi went so long without explaining it. Really? Yes, because that was something that was just recently revealed in the manga. actually. Oh my god, <laughs> it is it is that like basic of a quirk. <laughs> it just goes without saying <laughs> that we can just tell you it right here. Yeah, he, he, he is his quirk is gecko, folks. Okay, it's exactly what it sounds like. So you mean to tell me he acts like a turtle? <laughs> <laughs> no, he just he just sticks to walls. No. <laughs> whatever
1: general stuff a gecko can also do. He's basically Spider-Man without the web shooters. Precisely. Yeah, <laughs> he's exactly that. So Spinner pulls out a giant fuck-off Cloud Strife Buster Sword with a bunch of knives and daggers and other blades strapped to it with belts. Holy crap, somewhere out there, Tetsuya Nomura is cracking one off at the sight of that. Well, his quirk's not gonna, like, scare anybody, so he's gotta, like, scare them somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Mandalay orders the kids to retreat while she and Tiger stay back to fight. Deku then brings up Kota and that he knows where he is and presumably with the intention to go save him himself. Speaking of Kota, he runs into another Leaguey weager a brick house of a man in a mask and hood. Kota tries to run, but the man is too quick for him. And then, in a really well-done moment, the mask falls off the guy to reveal his face and it's interspliced with flashbacks of Kota watching the news report of his parents' death and seeing the picture of the villain who killed them. The news report even says he took damage to his left eye and in that exact moment his hood kind of flies up revealing his damaged left eye. This The same guy who killed Kota's parents is with the League. Introducing Muscular, played here by Jim Ferranda.
2: Oh, I know it's like so stupidly coincidental. Like, way too coincidental (laughs) that this kid's killer just happened to join up with the League and attack on this, like, one night and target this one kid. But, man, if it is not a very, like, well-pulled-off
1: It is. Like, I remember when I first saw this, I was just like, oh, 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 man. (laughs) Meet your parents, killer kid. And this guy's quirk is muscle augmentation, which allows him to augment his power and speed to the point where his muscle fibers can't be contained by his own skin. So basically, he turns himself into a mini colossal titan. Yeah, it's very gross looking. It's so gross. Muscular goes to attack Kota, but in the nick of time, he's saved by Deku. Deku is going to have to fight Muscular on his own, as he didn't tell anyone about Kota's location, and his phone broke when he saved him. But despite the daunting task, while smiling in the face of danger, Deku vows to protect Kota from this walking slab of beef, and so begins the Deku-Muscular fight. Muscular gets the early advantage as he just batters Deku, just hitting him so hard that he bounces off the wall of the cliff, and he's been informed that he can kill Deku, so he just wants to toy with him for a bit. I know, such a nasty man set up here. (laughs) God, he's just so vicious. And during this, we get word that the League's true intentions seem to relate to Bakugo as Muscular says that he and the other baddies are looking for him. Muscular goes in for more, but is halted by Kota, who brings up his parents. He wants to know why he did it, and Muscular just says he wanted to kill people. They tried to stop him, so he killed them. No real reason, they just got in the way. And he even rubs salt in the room by just calling them weak. You know, they were just weak, powerless, they were nothing to me i'll say this now this is probably the highlight of uh, mr mcmuscles here but damn does he make the most of his time in the spotlight he even gives himself his own little catchphrase too show me your
7: blood yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, in like a single episode he gets over, gets himself over as a real heel and you just want to see see him get what's coming to him and also that whole thing about where he just he doesn't care about uh, the fact that he killed Kotas parents he was just like you know just comes with the territory they are heroes i'm a villain this is just what I do. It just happened to be them. He's a perfect
2: piece of shit to just, like, beat the crap out of for, like, one episode, you know? Yeah.
1: He goes in to finish off Kota, but Deku jumps in, gets his left arm stuck in Muscular's fibers, but that allows him to get in close and deliver 100% smash up close in his face. However, Deku does break his right arm in the process, so... While he did have all that training with Gran Torino, he still has uh, some kinks to work out with the uh, broken bones. But it turns out that Muscular just used his quirk to cover himself in muscle fibers to block the attack. Ooh, and he's versatile too. Deku plans to get away with Kota, but he's too tired from the fight and the training from earlier in the day. And so Deku and Muscular's fight comes to a head. And I'll splice in the finish.
8: Stay back Kota,
4: and then when it's time, run as fast as you can back to camp. You're attacking him again? You can't do that! Let's just go! Come on! Your punch didn't hurt him earlier, remember? Besides, both your arms are busted up! It's
9: going to be fine. (laughs) One for all!
0: 100%! I'm coming for you! Detroit!
8: What's wrong? That was even weaker than before! Okay.
0: It'll all be okay! I will not let him get past me! Koda, run! Go
9: now! Still looking after him. Oh, man! You're something
0: else, aren't you? (laughs) God, oh, damn it! Why?
9: Show me your blood! A real hero will always find a way for justice to be served! Please
0: forgive me, Mom. I tried my best. I'm sorry. Oh, my. I'M GONNA crush YOU!
9: (laughs) What the? Is that water?
4: Stop! Let him go!
9: Hold on there, Kay. I'll kill you after I'm done with... Crap! I was distracted! I won't let you hurt
0: Koda! Damn it! How are you getting stronger? You won't lay a hand on him! One for all! One million percent! Tell away!
4: your mom and dad, the water hose heroes. It's true that they ended up leaving you behind in this world, but they saved so many lives through their sacrifice. You'll see that someday. Why did you risk your life? You'll meet someone, and then you'll understand why we do this. Even though you don't know me at all. why did you try to save me someone who will risk their life someone who will be a hero my hero
1: this finish to this fight is amazing, like, as they clash, Muscular looks have the edge, then he's distracted by a small blast of water, as it turns out, Kota has a quirk, the similar quirk to his parents, shooting water out of his hands, and he tried to protect Deku, you know, the kid that he punched him in the balls just the other day, who he doesn't like, but now he's trying to save him now, and then this opens up Muscular for a Detroit-Delaware smash, as Deku goes one million percent and finishes off Matt McMuscles. (laughs)
2: I love that. Uh, you know what I love. You know what I love about the aftermath of this, though. Horikoshi actually had to clarify to fans <laughs> about what he meant by one million percent, because no- there's no such thing as one yeah. million percent. <laughs> He, uh, it's one of those moments where I had to laugh, but also just feel bad for him. Like this is what he has to do—that
1: <laughs> <laughs> he has to answer these questions consistently. Uh, you said Deku goes uh, one million percent here. Uh, there is no such thing as one million percent. It's just one hundred and nothing more than that. Uh, I hope you have to explain yourself, boy. I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Oh my God, he—he
2: was—he was hopped up on adrenaline. Yeah. Okay, and then it just powered the punch and stuff, and like he just had a moment of clarity or like he just wanted to be cool it's so he said a million percent you just you just said 1 million percent for emphasis it was just adrenaline okay yeah. folks <laughs> not the last time he will have to like clarify stuff like that oh jesus the later in the manga, he does make a legit error that he has to like oh, okay you know fix and stuff so uh you know it's n- not all, all some of it is legit mm-hmm. some of it's legit but like that's just one moment where i had to laugh like oh man <laughs> now he
1: has to compl- now now he has to deal with some of the Complaints that comic creators get over here too. (laughs) And in the end, with Muscular defeated, Kota has found his Boku no hero. Oh, it's pronounced my hero. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it goes both ways, man. (laughs) On to the next episode Drive It Home, Iron Fist. We get a little insight on how Shigaraki's plan of attack differs from the USJ incident. Back then, when he went about it, like, going up against a high-level boss in an RPG while you and your party are, like, level one. It's also similar to how people, when they play Breath of the Wild, they immediately go after Calamity Ganon as soon as the game starts. This time, he's well-prepared and thinking about it like a real-time strategy game. Everyone does their part as they slowly chip away at their targets.
2: Can I say right now that Shigaraki's gamer talk, like, makes me laugh my ass off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- 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 that is, like, a consistent thing with him
1: yeah
0: <laughs> even
2: though we never once see him play a game <laughs> yeah man doesn't even drink gamer fuel <laughs>
1: how, how can he rise up if he's not a real true gamer
2: yeah. reminds me of like some like images somebody posted online where someone was just like can somebody just like post like shigaraki wearing gamer shirts yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like why does he not wear those all the time <laughs> I, be, I don't know, he does come kind of come across the guy that would, like, uh, bitch to people online about Dark Souls having an easy mode.
3: Yeah. <laughs> does what,
2: what is it with all these people asking for an easy mode in <laughs> Dark Souls? Gregory, do you have any idea how much that pisses me off so much? It just makes me want to destroy the
7: entire world!
1: Those damn scrubs! Yes, yes, Tomura Shigaraki, I hear this every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh god (laughs) back with Aizawa facing off with Dabi Dabi uses his quirk cremation which allows him to shoot blue flames from his body and considering the color you know it's really really hot Aizawa captures him but he melts away and disappears this Dabi was only a fake and the real one got away I love how Dabi's name literally just translates to cremation yeah (laughs) (laughs) then again I guess that doesn't really like roll off the tongue really well so Dabi it is yeah Though I'm pretty sure most people, when they hear that name, they think of, like, a little troll in the Harry Potter books. Yeah, yeah. Well, it probably just rolls off the tongue better in Japanese, too, so that's probably a really badass name. Yeah. So this fake was made by fan-favorite League member next to Himiko Toga, twice played here by Newton Pittman. Ooh, yes. And this guy, his quirk, Double, allows him to produce clones of anything he touches, living or not.
2: Well, there's many other rules, but, yeah, later on in the series. (laughs) But anyway, thoughts on this guy? (laughs) <laughs> oh my boy he's your boy my boy <laughs> well now all of the league is my boy yeah. <laughs> but this guy in particular he's a boy he really he's is. a boy oh man just everything from like the deadpool inspired look like the t and w like stylized yeah. on his costume like, the uh, the serrated uh, measuring tape he has, like, connected to his arms oh, and, like, a, too. And, like a re- on his wrist, you know? And, like, the split personality that he demonstrates here. Ooh, he's gonna be one of my
1: favorites for a long time. Yeah, and I love that split personality thing where, like, he says one thing, but then he says the opposite of that thing. Like, all in the same conversation with people. <laughs> I know, it just makes for, like, really random surreal moments. He's basically a walkie con- contradiction. precisely (laughs) so Aizawa runs into the forest to look for the real Dabi but instead he runs into a battered Deku carrying Kota Deku leaves Kota with Aizawa so he can get back into the fight but before he does Aizawa tells Deku to relay a message to Mandalay back with the pussycats they continue their fight with Big Sis and Spinner Spinner goes to slice Mandalay with his big ass sword but then Deku comes in and destroys the sword with a drop kick that would make Kazuchika Okada proud. Deku tells Mandalay Aizawa's message that he wants her to telepathically inform One A and One B students that they are allowed to engage the villains and that he'll take the heat for it. Good guy Aizawa, looking out for his kids. Go wild, kids. <laughs> Go nuts. <laughs> I'll take the heat, especially if you
2: really injured someone. Especially if you like really broke their bones too, <laughs> to the point where like they couldn't move anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I don't mean I'm not saying I condone that, but. You know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also, Deku tells Mandalay to let everyone know that the League is after Bakugo, so watch out for that. And on the subject of Bakugo, he and Todoroki are busy dealing with League member and resident Gimp Moonfish, played here by Damon Mills, and he has the quirk Blade Tooth. Guess what that does? (laughs) Pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. Though
2: also just kind of creepy, just seeing, like, teeth grow out of him. It's really creepy and scary looking, this guy oh yeah there's there's something almost there's something almost like uh lovecraftian
1: to him almost i also get like big bang of like jinji ito from this guy a little bit yeah deeper in the forest amongst the poisonous gas my 1b boy and girl tetsu tetsu and kendo head out to confront the baddies after getting their classmates to safety they're also equipped with gas masks they got from uh, yairozu tetsu tetsu wants revenge for the villains for taking out shiozaki and their other classmates and he also wants to use this situation to get on 1a's level as they've dealt with villains before, and they've used that experience to get ahead of 1B, so he wants to, like, fight villains and try to get back on 1A's level. Still not the smartest thing to do, but you do you, Tetsu. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, man, he's (laughs) hard-headed. Kendo figures out that the gas seems to be only affecting one area of the forest, and that if they want to find the villain behind it, they need to go where the gas is densest, as that's where they should be. And so let's meet the one behind the gas, Mustard, also played by David Mills. I wonder if he gets two paychecks this way. Hmm, I wonder. His quirk is of course Knockout gas, And he also has another quirk, which is gun. Hey, a smart villain. This gives him the ability to pull out a regular old gun and shoot people. <laughs> <laughs> and he shoots at Tetsu Tetsu as he tries to get an attack on him. But luckily Tetsutetsu Tetsu uses his steel quirk to block it. But unluckily the bullet destroyed his gas mask. Mustard keeps firing at Tetsutetsu, Tetsu and he and Kendo can't get the jump on him because he can use the gas to read their movements. Also he keeps taunting them by saying stuff like they're only one note with their quirks questioning how they can be students from the best hero school, but also be so weak against someone like him. Oh, the League of Villains has their own monoma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just put them like in a in a small room somewhere and just have them like, you know, kill each other. Oh, what I wouldn't have given for that in this arc. Oh yeah, man, I would love it like You know, like, it's just someone watching, like, a gladiator fight. (laughs) Fight for my amusement. You just, Monomo just copies his
2: knockout gas quirk, and they just (laughs) knock each other out. They're just,
1: like, laying down unconscious. (laughs) (laughs) They just cuddle up to each other. (laughs) But my 1B boy and girl aren't gonna go down that easily, and while their quirks may seem one note, it's all about how you use them. So, Mustard, it's time for you to get these hands! Kendo uses her battle fist quirk, which can enlarge her hands as she fans away the gas, which gives Tetsu Tetsu the opening to pound Mustard's face in. It's a good thing that quirk also gives her super strength as well. That's, oh, yeah. Like, because, like, if so, like, then she wouldn't have been able to, like, even lift those suckers. Oh, yeah, she'd, like, grow her hands and then she immediately fall flat on her face because lack of balance. But smart play, and I love that 1B got a bit of a rub here.
2: Yeah, yeah, they've been kind of in need of that, a little bit of development lately,
1: especially since they've been,
2: like, introduced for, like, so long now.
1: Yeah, and they always kind of seem to sort of come off as a bit of jokey characters compared to 1A, so it's nice to see them get taken seriously.
2: Yeah, and to also see that they take their uh, rivalry uh, with 1A uh, ser- somewhat seriously
1: themselves as well. Yeah. Back with Deku running through the forest looking for Bakugo and others, uh, funny observation here as uh, while he's running through the forest, you know, his arms are banged up. They're kind of dragging behind him as he runs. He, it almost looks like he's uh, Naruto running. <laughs> Afterwards. A <he's>... secret reference? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Afterwards, he's going to go uh, storm area 51. <laughs> you do realize that you've just dated our podcast right here. All of our podcasts are fucking dated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's then attacked by a mysterious figure, but is saved by Shoji. Shoji carries Deku on his back, Yoda-style, and we see that he's been injured in a fight. One of his extra limbs was cut off by Moonfish earlier. And on top of that, because of the villain attack, and since it's nighttime, Tokoyami's dark shadow has gone berserk, and that's what attacked Deku before, so now our kids have another problem to deal with. Oh, this is badass. Oh, it's so Tokoyami, bad. you've been hiding such badassery for this long? <laughs>
2: Come on, you should like you should like revel in the darkness even more, <laughs> yeah. buddy.
1: And so that brings us to the next episode, Roaring Upheaval. So yeah, Dark Shadow is going nuts and it looks like he's trying to even absorb Tokoyami here. It's uh kind of like a venom taking over Eddie Brock or something. Oh yeah, it looks so cool. <laughs> and Deku's left with a choice as Shōji plans on staying to help Tokoyami control Dark Shadow and Deku can either go and look for Bakugo to make sure he's kept away from the League, or stay behind to stop Dark Shadow and risk villains finding Bakugo. Deku says he's already made his choice, and I think we all know what that is. He's gonna do both! <laughs> so since Dark Shadow is attacking anything and everything indiscriminately based on sound and movement, Deku has Shoji get Dark Shadow's attention and then run through the forest to find Bakugo. Also, they tell Tokoyami to just, not, just let Dark Shadow do its thing, just like don't try to control it. And then they find Bakugo, and in order to have him use his explosions to weaken Dark Shadow through the light. But before that happens, the berserk Dark Shadow takes out Moonfish. Like you know, you heard of killing two birds with one stone, but this is like killing four birds with one stone.
2: <laughs> I hope I hope the I hope the I hope his uh, prison dentist is a really
1: good one. Yeah, he's not going to be coming back from that. No, he's probably going to need dentures after that. Eesh. Also, I like how, like, at the start of this plan, Bakugo, like, he plans out that last part of uh, Dark Shadow taking out Moonfish, where, like, uh, you know, Shoji comes in, he's like, uh, Bakugo, Todoroki, we need explosions and fire to weaken Dark Shadow. And then Todoroki's ready to, like, you know, light up Dark Shadow. But then Bakugo's like, wait, hold on a second. And then he lets uh, Dark Shadow just take out Gimp Boy. (laughs) Smart move. Smart move. So, with Dark Shadow under control and Bakugo safe and sound, it's time to head back to camp to find Aizawa and Vlad King. Things seem to be going well with these guys, so for now, so let's check in on the others. We see on the other side of the forest, Uraka and Sue have run afoul of a certain popular Yandere girl. We only got to briefly talk about her in the previous podcast, but now I think we can get a little bit more in depth. So let's chat a bit about Himiko Toga. Ooh, Himiko Toga.
2: I don't, uh, I don't like her as much as maybe some other people out there. For, you know, other reasons, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine other ways other, other people out there would uh, like her as much and, and stuff. But, um, no, I I do l- l- like all of the League members. I love her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> She's a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, man, she is fun. She is a psycho. <laughs> she is crazy, knife crazy. <laughs> but like yeah. But, 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 but. There is some complexity to her, I will mm. say. There is a bit of a complexity to her that does make her a little bit different from uh, other uh, tropes like this, as we have seen in uh, other series. You know, she's, you know, she's a bit of a psycho, but she does also have a bit of, like, this, like, like teenage girl personality that kind of ignores, like, everything else around her, you know? Like, yeah. she's the kind of person that will obsess over, like, her... Fashion or like cute things and stuff, you know. It's like, it's so weird how she's like stuck between like this like psychotic world of villainy and this like real world of like a young 17 year old girl, you know. Mm -hmm. And it it mixes really well. Mixes really well. It's also just, it's also just like genuinely creepy to see her like. Like obsess over like everybody, like mm-hmm. same,
1: like her basically falling in love with like anybody out there. Yeah, and also like wanting to make friends. You know, like she hears Uraraka call Sue by her name. She goes like, "Oh, Sue, I want to be, I want to be friends with you," and just keeps calling her by that name. It's Not,
2: been noted by some fans that she seems to seem that it almost seems like she feels like genuine love for some people in like her own crazy psychotic way. Yeah, like it's because like, I think it's believed by some fans she might be either like bisexual or pansexual. I can see that. I, I would believe that, totally. Hey, another
1: uh, queer character in this uh, show.
2: Well, it's never been, like, officially confirmed, but, like, let's just say,
1: like, I would not be surprised whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> It is highly believable. Also, I feel like uh, she's just one of, if not the best Yandere character in, like, Probably any piece of media. Like I feel that it helps that Horikoshi emphasizes that while she may be cute and fun to watch at times, at the end of the day, she's still a villain. She's still a threat, and she's fucking scary. Yeah, she's scary, but she is effective in yeah. that. And you don't forget the actual danger our heroes are in when they're anywhere near her. That's that's the thing about her compared to other yandere. Is you don't forget Toga here.
2: Yeah. You don't forget her. She is memorable.
1: Yeah, like. Out of the times I've seen yandere characters in anime, it seems like writers tend to forget or ignore the danger and the threat because they want those characters to be more marketable to horny otaku. You know, well, they do the whole evil thing, but they're like, oh no, they're they may be evil, but they're so cute and and sweet and stuff. You're like you'll you'll just ignore any and all atrocities surrounding them, and in some cases, just make them the hero for no reason.
2: Well, she's well, I think I think like it also works like inversely because she I would say argue she is marketable. If only because, like, her design is, like, simple, you know, and she's, like, very distinctive compared to all the other characters. I mean, she does have, like, fangs and stuff. Yeah. And, well, I mean, granted, yeah, fangs do kind of tie into, like, some, like, uh, likability among characters mm-hmm. for, um, female characters out there in anime and whatnot, but, um, no, combined with, like, her cheery disposition and, like, her psychotic personality, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but yeah. it's a good blend. Yeah. It's a good, memorable blend mm-hmm. for, for a good character. In short,
1: fuck Future Diary, this is how you do Yandere character well. I knew you were going to bring that <laughs> up at some point. <laughs> I lo- oh, I love you, Toga. Yeah, Hime can kick Yuno Gase's ass and just shred her to bits, and I'd love <laughs> her for it. Anywho, uh, Uraraka and Sue try to get away from Hime, but she's too much for them, so Sue tries to get, let Uraraka escape while she holds off Hime. Uraka isn't going to leave her froggy friend behind, and after a struggle, she uses her gunhead surviving-edged weapons training to take down Hime. And this next bit, like, I'll splice it in, uh, Toga's little speech here, because it's something. Like, holy crap, don't forget, she's fucking scary. Chaco,
4: you're delightful too. You've got the same smell as me. You've got a crush on someone, right? (laughs) So do I. And I bet you also want to be exactly like that special person, huh? This is it! My shot! I'll win and be just like Deku! I can tell. Two lovesick girls. What is with her? At first you try to model yourself after the person you want. You start dressing like them. Thing is, that's not enough. You have to go further. Then, you realize you actually want to become that person. And once you get to that point, there's no going back. That's how love works, right? What kind of charmers caught your eye, huh? I'm fond of people who've been slashed up and reek of fresh blood. That's why I always end up getting them. <laughs> hey, Ochako, isn't this fun? Just two girls hanging out talking about our crushes? <laughs> Shuk suck. Quickly, Help her! <laughs> Stop! There's too many people here now and I don't feel like being killed tonight. Toodles. Hit <sighs> her! That's too dangerous! We have no <laughs> idea what kind of quirk she has!
1: Yeah, oh, like she's like pinned on the ground and yet never stops smiling and she's like smiling. She's blushing. She's kind of almost like, kind of shaking like in her voice and stuff. Just thinking talking
2: about like, like boys that she loves. Like, you know, hey, girlfriend, we're just two girls who love the bo- who are in love with some boys, huh? And you can just see the l- especially when you know that like no other character has reacted like that. No villain before has reacted like this.
1: Yeah, it's creepy. Also, just the look on Uraraka's face. She's just all like. What the? F- what is this girl? What is We're this? dealing with a new breed of crazy here. Yeah, and also just credit to Leah Clark here because holy crap, she is just scary good with this performance. This is gonna be one of her uh, biggest roles in years. It's one of her more popular roles now. Like any, t- like anytime she's on Twitter, she's always like posting like uh, toga cosplay. She she sees at like, conventions and stuff. Oh, how nice. So may uses a syringe from her gear to suck out some of Uraraka's blood and then steals away into the night. Keep that uh, last part in your back pocket for a bit, because it'll come back later. down the Oh, road. yeah,
2: because, like, one thing I did notice, actually, uh, going back and researching this arc a little bit, uh, Himiko's, or Toga's quirk uh, is actually, like, alluded to very heavily early on. Yeah. Yeah mostly in like the uh, characters and her name like if you like separate her name into like a, the separate characters they give very big clues mm-hmm. and also just the other villains talking to her about like hey did you get enough blood or something hey did you get enough blood like no nah, i was only able to get a little bit like come on you know we need a lot you know mm-hmm. it's it's you can really infer what her power is early on and i think horikoshi did comment at one point that he had to be like careful with how he uh, portrayed her and her quirk and uh even her name
3: yeah. <laughs> so much as that
2: early on because he was just like oh man am I really gonna give away her power that early
1: uh, I gotta be I gotta show some tact here also another thing with like her gear it's just like nothing but like syringes and almost like a backpack
2: oh yeah yeah the way it's like set up is with like four syringes yeah, that she just, can like, like fire out
1: containers and everything
2: yeah and I believe they even like link up to her like uh like around like her mouth yeah. as well mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 very very clever
1: design that you can really infer about her like power later on. Yeah, this is just excellent foreshadowing here. It is. So with Uraraka and Sue here, we now have a solid group together for the Bakugo Protection Squad. Only problem is, where's Bakugo? Also, where's Tokoyami for that matter? As they were captured by another new League mem- member. Mr. Compress, played here by Mr. Kent Williams. Ah, gentleman villain. Yes, he's a magician of sorts, making Bakko and Togiyami disappear, but this isn't some sort of sleight of hand. So, breaking the magician's code, secrets finally revealed here. It turns out he used his quirk, Compress, to turn our kids into little blue marbles. Mr. Compress begins to retreat and regroup with the other Leaguey Uyghurs, while the gang gives chase. He's too fast as he's jumping off trees flying through the air left and right, So Deku gets an idea to catch up with him, as he has Uraka float him, Shoji, and Todoroki, and then he has Sue use her tongue to fastball special them towards Mr. Compress. Meanwhile, Himei joins up with Dabi and Twice as they wait for the other baddies, when all of a sudden, Mr. Compress comes crashing down out of the sky with Deku, Shoji, and Todoroki. Oh, I didn't see that one coming. Unfortunately, the odds are now stacked against them, as they have to deal with the villains. They want to rescue their friends. On to the next episode. What a twist! Uh, no, Shyamalan didn't have anything to do with this episode. (laughs) And love the line from uh, Twice here when everyone comes crashing in where he goes, Hey, I know these kids. Who are they? (laughs) And he gets another good one when, like, uh, they begin fighting and Dobby goes to light up one of the kids. He reacts to the flames by going, That's cold! (laughs) And then when Todoroki uses his ice, Twice goes, Ah, hot! I know, it gets like really wacky and weird with twice here. Yeah. <laughs> Himiko immediately goes straight for Deku as she seems to have taken a liking to him after she first saw him earlier. Guess she has room in her heart for both Stain and Deku. But who could blame her though? Deku's adorable. Actually, one
2: one more thing about it Twice, though, I will also say that he is helped along, like because you got me thinking about like like hot and cold there, <laughs> and I was immediately reminded that he's voice that he's a voice acted by the same guy who voiced Gray, yeah, Fairy Tale. Yes, can I just say I'm so happy to hear that. He has this level of talent that he did not show with Grey whatsoever. (laughs) Nothing against him, but it's just Grey is such a bland character. He was not a good show. Mm -hmm. He he was not the best character to show off one's talents. Yeah. So I'm so glad that uh, he has, like, amazing range uh, demonstrated here with Twice. Yeah, Twice
1: allows him to, like, really show off his acting chops. Mm, Definitely. So I just wanted to get that out there. (laughs) Yes. The villains and heroes duke it out for a bit until Shoji reveals that he's got the two marbles from Mr. Compress that he showed off earlier and after he captured uh, Bakugo and Tokoyami. They try to run away, but then they run into Anomu and Kurugiri. Kurugiri opens up some portals for the villains to escape through, and it seems like they're getting away without Bakugo and Tokoyami. Or are they? Turns out the marbles Shoji took were just pieces of Todoroki's ice, and Mr. Compress has their friends in his mouth the whole time. So uh, a bit of a magician's trickery there.
2: Ooh, sneaky guy. Yeah, I think I think it is um, clarified at some point in the series that uh, he's like uh, just naturally smart and knowledgeable among uh, all the uh, league's villains, and uh, he does kind of come across as a little bit of like a veteran with his quirk too. He really does. Yeah. Although I will say, out of uh, all of the uh, league members, though, uh, I'd probably say the most naturally talented though has got to be Dobby. Yeah. Just because he seems to, he just seems to like be naturally very effective in
1: damaging people with this quirk yeah he's kind of like the todoroki of the league of villains he I just would has say. like that calming presence that seems like he's he has everything under control oh yes definitely and That what makes him really scary yeah so the magician takes his last bow as the curtain falls on the league's attack or does it aoyama hiding in the bushes fires his naval laser at mr compress which causes him to spit out the marbles Deku, Shoji, and Todoroki run towards the marbles and Shoji grabs one and Todoroki goes for the other but is intercepted by Dabi. Deku falls to the ground as his injuries have finally caught up to him and his body just gives out on him. It just, he's done, he can't move anymore. Mr. Compress releases his quirk and reveals that Shoji got Tokoyami but the League got what they came for, Bakugo. Deku tries to will himself but it's too late as the League disappears with Bakugo in Kurugiri's portal. Bakugo has been captured Everyone's severely injured. Ragdoll even looks to have gone missing. We failed. The League has won. Wow, what a blow to the heroes. <laughs> this
2: was one of, like, the big moments. This was a big turning moment for me when I, like, uh, first saw this, man. <laughs> and again, we're still early on in Season 3. This is only the beginning. Like, wow, this was, like, a pretty genuine victory for the bad guys.
1: Yeah. Like, they actually got one over on us. Yeah, and you don't really see that too often shown in Shonen, like, villains getting real, genuine victories. Well,
2: every, well, every, every now, now and then. But it's,
1: it's very rare. Usually it's nothing, like, this decisive, though. Yeah, like, this
2: decisive, like, you don't really see that that much. Yeah, like, I mean, like, if it, whenever it happens in, like, One Piece, like,
1: it's, I, I, at least, like, there, it's, like, a... V- very big moment. Yeah, like, I would say the closest thing in, like, in One Piece is, like, you know, the crew getting separated at, uh, Saba uh, the Paramount War. Paramount War, definitely. Uh,
2: especially, especially with, like, recent, like, recent, uh, losses that, uh, occurred recently in, uh, during the Wano arc as well. Uh, nice to see that Horikoshi has taken a very nice note. <laughs> when the villains win,
1: it's gotta be a big moment. Yeah. And he has succeeded here. Yeah, like, he's taken a chance on this, and it's working over time. So, the next day, UA is feeling the bad publicity from the attack and the staff get together to discuss the situation and what to do with the league. They do figure out the reason they went after Bakugo in the first place is because they saw his violent tendencies at the sports fest and probably thought that, hey, we could use that to our advantage, this angry, explodey child. And during this discussion, it's brought up that they shouldn't have known where the training camp was because the only people who knew outside of the students were the teachers and the Pussycats, so is there a traitor in the ranks? Who knows? Like, who knows how the league even operates?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of, like, a weird bit of speculation there, especially knowing that, like, this talk of, like, a traitor, not not a spoiler or anything, but it has still not been, cap- like, capitalized on okay. at this point in the series. So I don't know if that's going to be something that's going to be, like alluded to very much later on, or if that's going to come up later on too much, but, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thing.
1: But if it is, it's that's some serious long-term booking. Yeah,
2: but that's still, like, a, little, a bit of a
1: concern, though. Like, the heroes are getting paranoid now. Yeah, like, the public can't trust UA, UA can't even trust themselves, allegedly, it's just kind of, like, all things are, like, working in the League's favor, and it just seems like is kind of almost destroying themselves. Mm-hmm. But we do get some good news in all this, as All Might gets a call from Tsukauchi as he looks to have figured out the League's location. Doing some investigation around the city, it looks like someone matching the look of Dabi was seen supposedly entering a vacant building that's rumored to have had a secret bar on the inside. They plan to investigate the location further with some heroes in tow to help out. So All Might, are you a bad enough dude to rescue King Explosion Murder? He is, and he'll be there. (laughs) Yes... Meanwhile at a hospital near the training camp, Deku is slowly recovering from the attack. He isn't alone though as the rest of 1A come to visit him and check in and give him a little support. Love these kids. I say everyone but uh, I should say everyone except for Jiro, Hagakure, and Yayorozu as they've all been hospitalized with severe injuries too. We all know that Deku has a lot of insecurities and often feels down on, on himself from time to time but this time is much worse as he always wants to do everything he can to protect others but this time he just couldn't do it. Lost his friend. And, like, we, we know the whole thing where, like, uh, he has that part of himself where, like, whenever he sees danger, his body just tends to act and move on its own. But, like, this time, his body couldn't move. It just failed on him. And it happened at the worst possible moment. He couldn't save Bakugo. Well, now he's, like, irreparably damaged his body, too.
2: Yeah. In the process. So, like, if he's pushing, if he pushes himself that hard again, as he did with
1: Against Muscular,
2: <laughs> he's not gonna be, uh,
1: he's not gonna be recovering from that. No. No. No, no amount of uh, Recovery Girl kisses are gonna fix that. So, we can not save Bakugo All hope seems to be lost, but Kirishima brings up... Why don't we just go save him now? But, before we can think about saving Kachan, I think we can use a little breather. So, we're gonna take five, and we'll be back with the Hideout Raid Arc, and the rest of the first half of My Hero Academia Season 3.
0: As soon as you fly, you can't deny too You love the contradiction shaking you. One step You can breathe again in one step You made it easy in one step And that's it Another mistake Fitting into the night Oh, it goes on every day All the same like a game But when I close my eyes I feel alive And maybe that's the reason why I'm dreaming My mind rewinds But still this zen sky It can't fill my eyes the The future that we're looking for loses clarity So we just look away for a moment And we say that we can be the Told you to reap, what you soul Breaking free from the rust in your soul Gotta rise from a dark history But I felt for these lies I believed that I could start again, I through it all the way But that mistake could've stood my fate But now today I've opened up my eyes and I feel so alive What's going on, we've just forgot Everything you've left undone You can't in the date but you can change your direction
6: We continue to race toward our dreams. We'll overcome any challenge or villain and save people with smiles on our faces. That's what it takes to be the greatest heroes! One for all!
0: Full calling! Time to start the game. I'll kill you!
10: This is just a warning shot.
7: Those wannabe heroes are gonna be pulled off their pedestals.
1: it's time to think of a plan to save Angry Pants McGee. So we have the episode, From Ida to Midoriya. Kirishima's the manly man with a plan, and what is his plan? When visiting Deku at the hospital earlier, he overheard a conversation between yayorozu and All Might as she told them she put a tracking device on that Nomu from training camp and that they can use a tracker she created to find the villains and Bakugo. Kirishima wants her to make another one so they can go save their classmate too. He's so gung ho about this because at training camp he couldn't do anything to help and he felt powerless. And also, if he wants to be called a hero, he feels he can't just sit around while his buddy's been taken away. He has to, like, get in on the action. A real man does anything he can to protect those and save those he cares about. Todoroki's in on this plan too, but I can tell you who's definitely not in on this plan that being Ida. And also the rest of 1A, but mostly Ida. Also, Sue, the voice of reason, doesn't want them to go through with this plan either as it'll just be them breaking the rules again and she warns them that they won't be acting like heroes, but instead acting more like villains. Shut the fuck up, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she's concerned for her friends, you know?
2: No, 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 no. Like, that is not the same.
1: Uh, uh, come on, you know, Just you, there are rules here. You can't you can't break them, you know, you'd be a baddie. Fuck
2: that. <laughs> like, break the rules. Save your friend. <laughs> you see, this is why I would rather want to be a
1: vigilante in the world of My Hero, <laughs> it's like, I want to be
2: Batman, I don't
1: want to be Superman, like, following all the rules all the time. You don't want to be like a Marvel character following like the Civil War code of ethics or whatever?
2: Screw that, I'd be Team Captain America all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the rules, we got people to save. Fuck you, Iron Man.
1: <laughs> you, you can tell what hero school I come from. Yeah. I, would, I would more come from. Yeah. To be honest, I'm more Team Cap when uh, Civil War came out, so I kind of <laughs> agree with you there. I feel like most young people would be Team Cap, mm-hmm. to be honest. As for Ida, the main reason he's against this now is because of the incident with the hero killer and how he acted on impulse in a similar situation, and that led him and others almost getting killed. Kirishima says that he, Todoroki, and Yayuroso are going to leave that night, and, if it's, and it's up to Deku if he wants to join them. But for now, Deku has some other matters to deal with, such as his injuries, which are much worse than the others he's previously sustained. They kept building and building, and now he suffered some real bad damage to his ligaments. Broken bones, those can heal, those can be repaired through surgery, but mess up your ligaments and you can have long-lasting issues to the point where one too many injuries could lead to, like, loss of movement in your limbs. It's that bad. Yeah, he's really fucked up. Kind of also a good thing to kind of see, like, how Horikoshi's gone this far to, like, present our main hero in this show and series to show that he's not invincible. Like, while he's superpowered, he's still human. He's still very fragile. I love One Piece, but there are often times where I can see Luffy and the other Straw Hats getting, like battered to the point of almost death but like they come back like really fine the next minute so it's like eh, it's, it's, it's a little weird yeah that can get a little tiresome after a while yeah, i can
2: understand yeah it's
1: still fun but it's like eh, come on now yeah like freshen up a little bit mm-hmm. wanna arc.
3: just wait
2: <laughs> almost,
1: wanna arc. almost there on a much lighter note while you fucked yourself off again and i could fail to save bakugo he did end up saving someone that being Coda. Deku gets a letter from Coda thanking him for saving him and also apologizing him for punching him in the balls. Sorry uh, I punched you in the dick. <laughs> also, I wonder, like, uh, while Deku was getting examined by the doctors, did they notice any trauma in and around his groin? <laughs> <laughs> like, doctor looks at him and goes like, oh, there's going to be some swelling here for a while. And I was able to locate one of his testicles, but as for the other one, I can't seem to find it. But I'm sure it'll start. It'll turn up sooner or later. I'm gonna tell you right now. If you've been using your
2: quirk on your dick for this long, <laughs> I'm gonna warn you right now. You're not gonna have any fun going forward. I've seen many strength enhancement enhancement quirk <laughs> users out there really screw themselves up. I'm talking stuff. N- you, I'm talking stuff worse than any kind of venereal disease, kid. So I'm telling you right now. Don't even think about it. I'm gonna leave this pamphlet with
1: you till I tell you about the dangers of that. Just say no. Also, have you ever heard of a man named David Carradine? No? Good. Be like him. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, most of the top heroes are gathering together to raid the League's hideout. We, of course, have All Might, but there's also Gran Torino, Best Genus, Worst Dad Endeavor, Edge Shot, Gang Orca, Tiger, Kamui Woods, and Mount Lady. Also, like, I kind of love how, like, uh, when we see all the heroes, one after the other, they kind of, like, you know, spring into action, you know, talking to their comrades or, like, getting calls on, like, special, like, kind of Batman phones from, like, uh, people saying, like, hey, come in, save the, save Bakugo, stop the league, but, uh... When we see Kamui Woods and Mount Lady, they're just, like, driving in, like, a little little simple car down the I-5 t- together. Just <laughs> well, they're probably already on their way there. But, like, couldn't Kamui Woods have, like, I don't know, a Kamui-mobile or a Woods-mobile? <laughs> but no, he's just driving in, like, Actually, a PT cruiser. Actually,
2: it is, it is a good point that you don't really see anybody with, like, themed, uh, like, vehicles or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, then again, that's that's a, that's a is that really necessary in a hero's budget?
1: I mean, if you can, like, save some money off to the side, get, like, a nice-looking vehicle.
2: Yes, but it's true, but most of those superhero vehicles also have, like, different utilities to them, but heroes are typically expected to already have the utility as part of their quirks. So I think it's one of those, like, unnecessary costs, like, no hero wants to incur upon themselves. I mean, it's like buying, like, a big fancy new car for yourself, as opposed to actually, like, buying something that could help your heroine. I don't know, if
1: I were a hero, I'd like to have a little mobile.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there is always that fantasy, you know.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and again, I guess there, I guess it operates in the logic like, you know, Batman doesn't have any powers, but that's why he needs the car. Yeah. Superman doesn't. Or Wonder
1: can... Woman has her invisible jet at least, but in some works she can already fly. Yeah. Or it can be like a Spider-Man in some versions of like the TV shows where he has like ATVs and like other vehicles for no reason. I think for I think for
2: most heroes in like the world of uh, MHA, it's it's I think it's more like that situation from Justice League where uh, the Green Lantern sees the Flash's like shiny new van and he's like, "Why would you need a van? Wait, wait a second, don't answer that." <laughs> 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 I think for many, they see it as that. Yeah, like it's
1: just there to get chicks. <laughs> also, since I brought up Mount Lady, I want to like uh, briefly mention that uh, Mount Lady's actress uh, Jamie Markey has uh, recently been tweeting about how she's been showing uh, My Hero Academia to her uh, fiancé's two kids. Oh, how cute! Yeah, it's re- it's really cute. She's been posting all their like reactions to the series and how they love it, and how they love, uh, especially Froppy, and like quoting any Mount Lady lines to Jimmy Markey. I do find it genuinely heartwarming that like for a whole
2: generation of kids and preteens and just teenagers out there, this will be like their uh, their One Piece, their Bleach, their Naruto. Yeah, that warms my heart to know that, that
1: this is like the show for like the new generation. Oh, and it's so perfect, too. I could not ask for a better one. Yeah, like, I have two young cousins, and I'm for sure, if I ever, like, have to babysit them or whatever, I'm showing them My Hero Academia. I, I wish I had more young relatives like that to show that off, too. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Later that night, Kirishima and Todoroki wait for Yayarozu outside the hospital, and when she comes out, she is joined by Deku. But before the four of them head out, they are confronted by Ida, And I'll splice in the Ida conversation right here. So how about it? You decide?
6: I think that...
8: Hold on. (gasps) Ida.
6: Why are you here?
8: You? Why did it have to be you two of all people? The ones who stopped me when I acted recklessly. Who received amnesty with me after Hosu. Why are you trying to make the same stupid mistakes I made? Didn't you learn? What are you talking about? We are still just students. And U.A.'s in a bad position as it is. Anything we do will reflect on our school. Don't you get that? Iida, we have to. I know you don't like us breaking rules, but- I'm frustrated, too! And concerned, obviously! I'm the class rep, dammit! I'm worried about all my classmates! Not just Bakugo! When I saw your injuries, all I could think of was my brother in the hospital. What if your bodies end up irreparable, just like his, because I didn't step in? Have you not stopped to think about where I'm coming from? Or are you saying that you don't care how I feel? Of course I do. Ida,
9: you've got it wrong. We don't expect to face them head-on and win. We'll get him back without fighting. Yeah, we'll be
10: stealthy. I'm talking covert ops here. We can rescue him without breaking the rules.
5: I trust in Todoroki's judgment, but still, things could always go wrong. So I'll join you as backup. I'll stand behind my classmates.
8: You can't be serious. You're the best. I know I'm
6: hurt, but if I can still move at all, I can't just sit still. I have to reach out and do something. Because all I can think about is saving him.
9: There are stories about every hero. How they became great. Most have one thing in common. Their bodies moved before they had a chance to think. Almost on
8: their own. We'll never agree. So I'm going to come with you.
6: After the USJ and Hosu attacks, we thought we'd seen true evil, that the
1: worst was over. Thoughts on this scene?
2: Well, a lot of genuine concern being tossed around here. I mean, Ida really wants to make sure that his friends don't get in in any kind of trouble that could, you know, get them killed, Mm -hmm. which they very much could be. So he's got some very good genuine concern here. But the support he also shows to ensure that, like... You know, like, even if this does get pulled off, it gets pulled off
1: responsibly. Yeah. It's a very Ida move, and I couldn't have asked for a better moment for the Also, like, his reasoning is is that he's the class rep. He has to watch over all of his classmates, not just Bakugo, everyone. And I know. make sure everyone's safe. Yeah, he's the daddy of the class, so he's gotta look out for everyone. He is, and he's just the greatest. Oh, he is. So, Ida decides to join them so he can watch over his classmates, and we now have our Bakugo retrieval squad. There is a catch, though, as, like with Metal Gear Solid, this must be a sneaking mission. If there's any chance of them having to fight villains head-on, then Ida and Rosu will order them to retreat and let the pro heroes handle the rest. They follow the tracker and end up in Kamino Ward, the presumed location of the Ligi Wigi. However, if they want to search for them and not get spotted, they need some disguises. And Yamamo suggests that they hit up a cheap little store for some fancy new duds.
2: Hey, but, things may be dark, but hey, we can still have a little bit of humor. Oh man, we
1: get it. This, the group's amazing disguises. <laughs> what do you think of these? Because I love these costumes so much. My favorite is, of course, Yakuza Midori. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how somehow he was able to buy, like, a fake soul patch underneath his chin. <laughs> You're looking at me, punk! Huh? Huh?
10: Huh? What are you looking at?
2: I wanted, like, Kiryu Kazuma. For- <laughs> From, like, the Yakuza games to just walk by Midoriya and just be like, what? <laughs> oh, man, don't want to mess with him. <laughs> Midoriya's just like, ah, no, 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 um, not, not a Yakuza, not a Yakuza, okay? And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you see any cats around here? <laughs> uh, no, sir, scary Yakuza guy, sir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> here, kitty, kitty. <laughs>
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> And I also love uh, Ida, like, really getting into it, where he's all like, We're just a few scoundrels cruising for hot girls! I don't get
2: what his costume is. (laughs) He he looks like some kind of, like, Japanese hipster. He does. (laughs)
1: The the suspenders and the little twiddly mustache.
2: He is clearly not out looking for girls if he's dressed (laughs) up like that. (laughs) (laughs) Though, hey, don't rule out Shoto, though, who's just looking like a host boy. He
1: really does look like a host. (laughs) But man, does he rock the host boy look, though. He does. And I also love that he points out the obvious that they didn't need to buy these outfits. Like, Yaya Rozu could have just made them with her quirk. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I love her reasoning where it's just like, you know, it's like, I can't just make everything, you know. We gotta support the economy.
2: Oh, poor
1: little rich girl. Just wanted to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, as a special extra on their website when this episode up aired, uh, Funimation released a behind-the-scenes look on the recording of this scene, and it's great. You get to see, like, all the actors, like, Justin Briner, Michael Tatum, Justin Cook, Dave Matringa, and Colleen Klingerbeard, all their reactions to, like, this scene and all their costumes. It's really great. Please send that to me. I have not seen it yet. I'll de- I'll, I'll also definitely splice it into uh, this part right here.
5: You guys are on a rescue mission. And what good is a rescue mission without stealth and deception. I'm gonna let you watch this whole thing. Yairozu has an idea of how you're gonna do this, how you're gonna be stealth. Right. All right, I'm gonna let you watch it.
8: Oh god, they're gonna do disguises. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Why do I look like the bad guy from
0: Annie?
8: (laughs) Like everyone else looks pretty cool and he's like suspenders and bow tie. Nothing says THUG like this kind of mustache. Is he what? Does he have antenna?
0: Oh man, that's crazy.
8: Midori is ins-
0: it's I awesome. Love. <laughs> it's
4: so fun. It's just he's sounding like a tough Yakuza guy, is what the translation says. Okay. Hey, hey you, hey you, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're saying.
0: Alright. Yo, fool! What are you looking at? <laughs> <Sorry about that. laughs> Make sure that there is a definite yo. Yo, fool! Alright, yeah. <laughs> I have
5: an idea, though it is a bit old school. A little more energy and I got it.
4: I have an idea, though it is a bit old school. Yeah, that'll work.
8: Yo
6: foo! What are you looking at? <laughs> you might need a what to.
5: Okay. Channel your mob boss.
8: Yeah.
5: Yo, fool,
0: What you looking at?
9: Good <laughs> lord. <laughs> this is me, incognito. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Give me one that's
9: even flat if it's just okay. nothing is different. Right, oh, that was so whispery. Yeah, okay, cool. This is me, incognito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the essence of flat.
4: Yeah. All right. Now we'll blend in perfectly. Now we'll blend in perfectly. I can't do that line without shimmying. Now we'll blend in perfectly.
8: <laughs> I feel ridiculous. <laughs>
5: Uh a little shy oh.
0: okay
8: <laughs> cringe I feel so ridiculous
0: <laughs> Watch it
9: you PUNKS! get
0: lost
9: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: Just let it all out. He's
0: You're a too good at this. I
5: actually am now thinking that this is your natural state.
6: It is. I, I tried to I've, keep it contained. I haven't known you all along. Right. I've been
5: mistaking your true character.
10: I don't know. I kind of dig it. I
4: think you can make that work now. Yeah. A little Watch it, you punks! That's all
10: wrong. You gotta stick your chin out more.
4: Yeah. That's all wrong. You gotta stick your chin out more. Ooh, a tiny bit faster. Yeah. That was a great read, though.
10: That's all wrong. You got to stick your chin out more.
4: Yeah, there you
2: go. All right. Get in character. All
8: right. Yes. <laughs> We're just a few scoundrels out on the town cruising for hot girls. Oh, it's
4: too long. Huh.
8: We're just a few scoundrels cruising for hot girls. Can
4: you go just a tiny bit faster? OK. You talking to me?
8: We're just a few scoundrels cruising for hot girls.
0: Yeah, that was funny. You talking to me?
5: I liked how once he got direction from Hiroshima, he lowered it.
0: Okay.
8: Yeah. <laughs> you talking to me? Uh. <laughs> Is it is it that last open flap? you just trying to have be one syllable. That time the
5: last open flap fit, but
4: this is too sped
8: up. We could just say chicks.
4: Yeah, cruising
8: for chicks. Chicks! Oh my god, I could say it like that too.
3: <laughs>
8: I kind of want to say it like that. Bring it. All right, let's see what happens. You talking to me? We're just a few scoundrels cruising for chicks. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. That's... It is
5: too out of character to keep, but I love it. Aww. And I'm very glad that the the audience gets to see it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but now Tenya. <laughs>
1: okay. But uh, I love the reactions, especially uh, Tatum's reaction to Ida's outfit, where he's all like, I look like the bad guy from Annie. <laughs> and also just like... Uh, when you get to see them recording, I just love seeing uh, Justin Briner do all of Deku's like tough guy grunts. I I just thought he looked friggin' adorable. <laughs> like I love cars because it's not anything like Deku would ever do. Like I I love Justin Briner. He too is on my list of voice crushes, along with Bryn April and Elizabeth <laughs> Maxwell. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be? Yeah, just everyone should love him. He's just like an adorable puppy. And also, there's like some other funnier bits where, like, uh, when uh, Tatum's recording the uh, the Ida's uh, scoundrel line from earlier, he did like another take where he's just like, "We're just a few scoundrels cruising for chicks." <laughs> they had way too much fun with the scene. The best part is when he did that line; it fit perfectly with the lip flaps. <laughs> and like, uh, you can also see like Colleen Clingan like, uh, video of her listening in on that line, and she almost falls out of her chair laughing. <laughs> So while walking through the city, the squad sees a press conference on a big TV screen with Principal Nezu, Aizawa, and Vlad King. They say they're doing everything they can to protect the students, but the way it's framed is really making look UA bad to the public. Ugh, damn Fox News. Also watching this is Shigaraki and the Ligi Wigi in their lair along with a chained up Bakugo.
2: Shigaraki just so happy seeing this news Like he's like, he's clearly like recording it
1: For like his cue <laughs> Hey man after like last time where he got burned By Stan taking all like the news articles You know he's gotta feel good about this
2: He's gonna record this and if he ever like sees Stan again one day He's gonna like record this He's gonna like play this back to Stane's Hey face. Hero Killer
1: check it out You got like a little article in the paper I got a full on news press conference about me and my league How do you like me now Hero Killer Oh yeah
2: how did you like me Scaring everybody here huh you didn't get to do anything like that huh oh yeah i just got like a triple s rating while you're stuck with a level e
0: rating
1: Ooh, 8.8
2: in the rating
0: score
1: (laughs) (laughs) they point out how the heroes are now being seen as the villains and given stain's manifesto about heroes who only work for money and glory they should be considered villains and it looks like he's proven right and they give Bakugo an offer since the heroes are now the villains the league's gonna win in the end and since he loves winning and hates villains, why not join up with them? Bakugo basically tells them that they can suck it! Oh, yeah, you're not going to turn this boy. Yeah, like, he may be an asshole, but he's not evil, and he doesn't want anything to do with the League. And Shigaraki doesn't like that. Not one bit. Which brings us to the next episode, All for One. Bakugo being Bakugo is ready to fight the League of Bastards, as he's called them, but Shigaraki puts the brakes on this and orders the League not to touch them.
2: Now, to be fair, this is a bit of a change for Shigaraki though. Cause he because he doesn't because he doesn't react wildly. Mm. He doesn't lash out. No. He just very calmly puts his creepy hand <laughs> thing mm-hmm. back on his face. And calmly tells everybody don't touch him. It's gonna be
1: all right. And why is that? He calls for his father, quote-unquote, for assistance. That father being all for one. Uh, Well, you might have also been referring father to something else, but uh, uh, that's some (laughs) stuff. (laughs) But back with the Bakugo Retrieval Squad, they find the location of the tracking device and it looks like they may have found the League's location. But in actuality, this could just be a second hideout for them. As for their primary hideout, Tsukauchi and the pro heroes have found it and are ready to attack. They also plan to catch them by surprise as that press conference was only a ruse, it was meant to lure them into a false sense of security by having Nezu feign ignorance on the plan because they knew they'd be watching. The retrieval squad sneak around the building to find a place to get a good look inside, and with the help of some night vision goggles from Kirishima, they see the second lair is no ordinary lair. It's actually a Nomu factory. So, very fitting that a place named Camino has some sort of cloning facility. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. That was a
2: street... That- oh, my God! Yep. yep. How did I not yep. know, that- <laughs> know
1: that Star Wars reference? How did I not know? God damn it. No. How did that slip past me? Oh, man, the League's got to get their uh, order ready for uh, Master Sifo-Dyas. I hate you so much <laughs> that you kn- knew this before me.
2: I know it's irrational
1: hatred, but I want to feel something <laughs> towards somebody to feel righteous. Hey, man, I got to use my knowledge of the prequels somehow. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at the primary hideup, up Bakugo tries to think of a plan to get out through the back door. Speaking of which, there's a knock at the back door. Hello, pizza delivery for see wiener? yeah oh, crud. <laughs> I just love the pizza. <laughs> no, twice I told you, no pizza until after we made Bakugo join us.
2: Why Why didn't Horikoshi have that moment where he just like had the league look at each other like, Who ordered pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I would eye Spinner right there. Like, Spinner, he, seem, he seems like the kind of loser that would do that kind of
1: thing. Yeah, it's just like, okay, you may have ordered pizza, but... Please tell me it's not Papa John's. <laughs> uh, actually, guys. Uh, uh, guys, but they come with this
2: Guys, but they come with the sauce though. The garlic
1: sauce, man, it's like every other place comes with a garlic sauce spinner. Uh, uh, spinner, you really screwed it up again. <laughs> but that was all just a distraction, as All Might is here.
2: Yeah, here's your here's your five here's your five-finger discount pizza here. No tip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> The villains are all taken down by a combination of Gran Torino and Kamui Woods who uses his quirk to subdue them. Shigaraki tries to have Kuragiri open up a warp gate to call in some Nomu, but aha! They have that taken care of too as back at the factory, Mount Lady destroys it and Best Genus ties up all the Nomu. Also at the factory, Tiger found a comatose ragdoll so we also got that covered. Kuragiri is then knocked out by Edge shots, so they won't be warping away anytime soon. So it looks like check and mate, Shigaraki.
2: Bravissimo.
1: Very good move from the heroes. Or was it? Mm. Portals open up, out pop out, a bunch of Nomu. But these aren't Kuragiri's portals, oh no. Some of these portals open up in front of Bakugo and they take him away. Kamui Woods calls for Endeavor's help, but he and the police are preoccupied with more Nomu. Ain't no party like a Nomu party because a Nomu party don't stop. (laughs) <laughs> this was all all for one's doing he was at the nomu factory this entire time and with one blast he takes out all of the pro heroes and leaves our young heroes paralyzed with fear as they are now in the presence of a real deal evil man <laughs> which brings us to the next episode symbol of peace back at the bar hideout the rest of the Leaguey uyghurs are sucked into portals and disappear endeavor and the rest of the heroes and police stay back to fight the nomu All Might goes ahead to find Bakugo, the League, and most of all, All For One. At the Nomu Factory, or rather, what remains of it, because it's basically just all leveled at this point, All For One stands over a fallen Best Genus. Turns out like right before the Blast, Best Genus took the brunt of it as he tried to save the others, but they all still ended up getting taken out by the Blast. Eh, still not a bad job there, number four. I think now that we are in his presence, we can talk a bit more about All For One, so Take it away. Can I just say that the anime did such a good job
2: of por- of portraying how pants shittingly terrifying it is to be in this guy's presence? Yeah, just from like it's it's he, he, there's something unsettling the first time you see him, from like that normal black suit to that like freaky ass like breathing apparatus he has on his head mm-hmm. with like i with like iPhone black glass on it. Yeah. That just like invokes uh,
1: a presence as terrifying as Darth Vader. Yeah, just like also the music and just everything. Just like you get the shots of like uh, the retrieval squad just like shaking and paralyzed with. The you. anime did
2: such a good job of portraying how terrifying this guy is. Yeah. That if you
1: that if you cross this guy even once, you will die. He just has this calming presence. Just like he just knows everything is just gonna go and he's to plan. so
2: calm too he doesn't like overreact towards everything never
1: raises his voice he's just like you know just like really really just calm and subdued completely in control and just god that's so creepy much like his actual inspiration Darth Vader yeah all for one hits best genus with one fatal knockout blow and I bet best genus is thinking like well if I'm gonna go out then at least I get to go out with a nice stylish head of hair <laughs> <laughs> Get to leave a really handsome corpse. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, very nice. Yeah, at least at least he knew to stylize beforehand. Portals then open up in front of all for one as Bakugo and the League appear. We then get a bit of all-for-one in Shigaraki's relationship on display as he brings up Shigaraki's failure but reassures him that he will still help him and that everything he does is all for him.
2: Doesn't scold him at all or anything. Like, doesn't, like, talk down to him at all. Just tells him, like, you may have failed once here, but don't worry. You will succeed He's eventually.
1: Like, we'll get him next time. This is what I've trained you for. Just, you know, take it easy, Tomuro Shigaraki. No matter how we many times us. you
2: fail, I'm going to have your back. You know, I'm I'm there for you.
1: I don't know, weird amount of, like, support from someone so evil. Yeah, just really adds more to, like, this whole complex relationship with, like, in fact, all the villains in the League and all that.
2: Well, they also pepper in, uh, like, flashbacks to a time when uh, Shigaraki was a child. Yeah, he found him as a young kid. Found him as a young kid, down on his luck, with, like, no heroes helping him whatsoever, looking like he just went through absolute hell. And then they punctuate this with all for one coming by him and being the only one to have ever said to this kid, I am here. Mm. Words he never heard from any hero before. That meant a lot to Shigaraki. That meant everything. You can just immediately tell in that moment with those words that like, All Might usually says as well. That tells you everything you need to about what Shiger- about what All for One means to Shigaraki. It's so
1: effective. It really is. It's really damn effective. So with Bakugo so close yet so far, Deku desperately tries to think of a way to save him. But Ina knows exactly what he's thinking and he just just instantly grabs onto Deku to hold him off from jumping into action. And also he's grabbing onto Todoroki and Yayarozu is holding on to Kirishima, so it's assumed that those two were thinking the exact same thing. What can I do to save Bakugo in this moment right here? But then, All Might is here once again and the battle between All for One and One for All can begin. Oh, man, this fight. Oh, the fight of the century. <laughs> so while they duke it out, All for One forcibly activates Kurogiri's warp quirk, despite him still being unconscious. Like, has, like, these extended, like, nails or whatever in his fingers, and it just, like, stabs into an unconscious Kurogiri and it just opens up a warp gate. Ew, it's so geez. visceral. <laughs> and he orders Shigaraki to retreat with Bakugo. Bakugo tries to fight off the league, but the numbers game is catching up to him. And there's a really good bit of dialogue between All Might and uh, All For One, where, he's, where All Might's like, I'm coming for you! And then All For One's like, I don't think so, because I am here. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, it's lines like that I like, live for. <laughs> fucking
2: chills, goosebumps from that line.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Bakugo and All Might look to be boned, and Deku and company can't do a thing because legally they're not allowed to fight these villains head-on. But then, Deku gets an idea. A way to save Bakugo without fighting, and it all depends on him and Kirishima. And, uh, care to explain, uh, this master plan here from Deku? <laughs> well, let me see if I can, uh, recall it in its entirety. So, um,
2: Ida and Midoriya are going to, uh, basically take a hold of, um... Kirishima, and they're going to break through the walls that are separating them, but that are separating them between them and the villains. Shoto is going to create a gigantic uh, pillar of ice that will allow them, that will allow Ida and Midoriya to uh, use their quirks to protel, propel themselves up forward, launching themselves up in the air and just within reach of Bakugo, so that Kirishima can extend his hand out and uh, grab a hold of Bakugo and pull him to safety. Based on the logic that Kirishima is the one person that has formed the best friendship, or closest thing to a friendship, with Bakugo, and therefore will have the respect to pull it in. Because we, God knows, if Midoriya tried to pull it off, Bakugo would rather... Piss <laughs> re- off, nerd! Piss off, nerd! And recoil his hand and just resign himself to death yeah. <laughs> to the league. Yeah. <laughs> Very smart plan. So smart. On the part of Midoriya.
1: I'm just like, God, I love this. This is just incredible. Grade A planning right there. And so the power of bromance saves Bakugo. The League tries to get him back with Big Sis using her magnetism to send Mr. Compress towards the kids. But with her last ounce of strength, Mount Lady rises up and with a desperation block to get in front of Mr. Compress. So she takes fun for the team right there. Oh, good on you, Lady. As for the rest of the League, they get stopped by Gran Torino coming in and just ricocheting off all the members. Now with Bakugo saved, All Might is free to go all out. All for One sees this and forcibly activates Big Sis' quirk to magnetize Shigaraki in the League through Kuragiri's portal. And during this, we do get that uh, flashback of a young Shigaraki and All for One. And like we said, it's really, really good and just... It only gives you a taste of, like, their early relationship, but just enough to, like, really want you wanting more. And for the first time on Shigaraki's
2: face, he shows, like, the most concern for anybody that he's ever shown at this point in the series as he's getting pulled into the portal. Like, he genuinely is worried about All for One and what may happen to him. Like, he cares about him like a father figure. Yeah, it's, it's in that moment you begin to realize he really feels that way towards All for One that, uh, um... Uh, Deku feels
1: towards All Might. Yeah, their relationships are like pretty much the same, just one's hero, father-son, villain father-son. Mhm. All Might is set to go all out, but it looks like he's running out of time and not in the usual way. All Might delivers a big smash which leaves him at half power, but All For One still takes the opportunity to taunt All Might, and then he brings up the person who passed down One For All to him, Nana Shimura, <laughs> which brings us to the next episode. One for all. Time for the penultimate episode of this first half and the conclusion to the all for one fight. Now that she was brought up, let's talk about Nana Shimura, played here by Stephanie Young. What do you think of her and her story with All Might? Oh uh honestly,
2: there's only so much to go on early on. Like which is like not much at all, to be honest. Like I mean what we do get is effective. Yeah, just I mean, enough. I mean, we we do like under like I mean, we we get a very good conversation between uh, the two where um, uh, Toshinori talks about uh, what he believes that society needs, about how it needs a pillar of peace to uh, bring happiness to people, and Nanashimura um, finding the, that she likes as moxie, you know. And um, I don't know, it's one of those characters that's kind of hard to like say much about already because because we don't know what, like how she like heroed about like what kind of like mm. hero heroic philosophy she embodied. Before All Might, so, um... I don't know, she's that kind of character that I still have very little to go off on. I can never... When it comes to Nana Shimura, I just can't form that good of an opinion on her initially. Just because, like, we don't actually see her do any heroing as mm-hmm. of yet. Kinda with, that kind of goes That kind of goes for, like, all of the previous, like, all for one. I mean, um, one for all users, I guess. There's only so much we know about all of them at, like, any one time, you know? And, uh, you know, sensitive to subject for, um... Toshinori, of course, Mm -hmm. but uh, at least for what we get here, like she she's fine. She looks like she was a good mentor. Yeah. I presume.
1: <laughs> well, you do get the idea that, uh... I do get the sense that there was an immense amount of respect. Respect and, like, All Might really caring about her. And, like, you can tell that, like, any mention of her can, like, really set him off if you say the wrong thing. Precisely. I mean, that gets across... That that still gets across very well here. And you can also get the idea that uh, the reason, like, why he is who he is as All Might kind of came from her. So, like, you can probably infer that, like... What All Might is now is like kind of like what she was. Precisely. She imparted some very good lessons upon him. So in all the hoopla, the kids managed to get away safely with Bakugo and make it into the city. And I do like uh, Bakugo's reaction to being saved and all, where he's all like, I didn't need your saving. I could have saved myself, but I didn't want to. Shut up. You don't know. And Kirishima just gives him like a very hearty, You're welcome. <laughs> That's as good as a thank you as you're going to get. He's like, ah, I love you too, buddy. <laughs> Well, back in this city block, they watch the fight on the big TV from earlier, and not just them, but pretty much all of Japan is watching these two clash. Like, this is just stop what you're doing, watch as the symbol of peace takes on probably the most evil motherfucker in all of Japan. And with this fight, not only does All for One want to hurt All Might physically, but also emotionally. So he does this by constantly bringing up Nanashima on how he killed her, and also it looks like he's trying to expose All Might as weak and a fraud. And he's keeping in with uh, Shigaraki and the League's goal of using Stain's manifesto. Like, he wants to, like, show him that uh, he's not a true hero. He's weak. He's a fraud. He just wants to break all might here in front of the whole world to see. Well, it's not just that, though.
2: Like, the one thing that I do sense very heavily from All for One is that, um, and I guess this is the mark of any good villain, but he really does truly believe that, like, what he... You really get the sense, even though you don't know exactly what he did. You do really get the sense that, like, any evil that he may have, like, perpetrated before this was entirely, like, just from his perspective. Yeah. It's because, like, he brings up what, um... He brings up in, like, very negative terms what All Might did to his comrades. Notice here, all for one. He refers to, um, the people that he... the villains that he used to work with as comrades. He doesn't call them underlings. He doesn't call them henchmen. He calls them comrades. Implying equality. And it gives you and, like he berates all might in this moment about how we how like how how high the the look must have been from the top as all the as all my friends you crushed beneath you, man, how like special that just made, that makes you feel like you can you can and he says it was such bile too with such vitriol yeah. You, it's, it's, it's so, it's very subtly implied, but you can really tell that All for One, whatever he has done with his life, he really believes it's, like, more just than anything that, like, All for One, that All Might has ever stood for. That there were people on his side worth fighting for, worth representing, worth bringing up in society to some degree. Sure, you can probably tell it wasn't, like, very, uh, (laughs) good, (laughs) But I don't know. Like, there's this sense that like he actually believes that what he's doing in this world is right, and it's and it's very subtly implied in this fight to where that that just really elevates all for one to uh, like
1: greater heights for me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like you can even tell like saying like, hey, you cared about the people that I've killed. Like, what about the people who you've defeated? Like all my comrades. What about them? Do they not matter? Right. Right. Like, it just, it just adds more complexity to the whole thing.
2: It does, really. It really makes you want to know more about, like, uh, the history between these two. Like, you, there's three-dimensional villains. This guy's, like, four-dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> he's so... F- no, I would say he's, he's fifth-dimensional. Yuck. So fifth-dimensional, I'm surprised his name isn't Mr.
1: Mix's Pitlick. <laughs> <laughs> so, All For One goes to attack an injured civilian nearby, but All Might blocks the huge attack at the last second but it looks like that's drained him, and now he is reduced to his weakened, small might form. And the whole world can see him like this. The whole, The one thing that only Deku knew about at this point, and only a few others. But now, all of Japan knows is that this is the true All Might right? that we see right before you. Yep, this is who's been representing you all this time. A skinny, scrawny man with sunken in eyes, almost looking like a skeleton. Someone who could be broken so easily. The way All for One is going about this, I'm also kind of reminded, like of uh you know that flashback scene in the uh batman beyond return of the joker movie where joker reveals that he knows batman's identity and he's all like oh behind this persona you're just a boy in a play suit crying for mommy and daddy i kind of think of that with all for one exposing all might here oh
2: yeah it does yeah it's 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 a sort of like it's like all for one really knows how to twist
1: the knife as well as the joker does like if he weren't so calm i bet all All for one would probably like laugh evilly here yeah he kind of would if he were that type of person Then we get some uh, more salt in the wound for All Might as All for One reveals something that All Might never knew. Tomura Shigaraki, the villain he's been going after and the protege of his arch nemesis, he is the grandson of Nanashimura. And the deathly silence that, like, falls when he finds that out. Like, that sells
2: it. The revelation. Holy shit, this revelation. (laughs) (laughs) That deathly silence, and then All Might just going, that's not true. (laughs) That's it's impossible, impossible. <laughs> search your feelings all Might. you know it to be
1: true
8: no <laughs> well, that's exactly what
2: fucking happens it really is
1: it's exactly what happens rikoshi loves the star wars man fuck he does <laughs> but yeah that whole that whole thing like the guy he's been going after this whole time just happens to be related to his mentor and it's just like his world just seems to be coming crashing down and be all around him, All Might is. That's right, All Might. And Shigaraki is
2: my Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he's just as petty as Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah,
1: and also as destructive.
2: <laughs> you know, you'd think you'd get, like, a Darth Maul or something who's at least quiet, or maybe, like, a Tyrannus who's a bit more contemplative.
1: Ah, oh, well, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> and also, like, yeah, this whole master plan, just, like, take the descendant of All Might's mentor, groom him and like make him hate all might so that one day he can destroy him just that's some evil right there all might just frozen in shock and people around him are just like desperately trying to be like just all might don't listen to him just like get up start fighting more and they're like cheering him on and yelling and shouting for him to like please just get up start fighting this guy more we can you can do this we know you can you've done this before Everybody just giving him his power. Yeah, like, when I, when I first watched this, I even remember I was, like, kind of shouting at my TV going, like, ah, uh, come on, All Might, come on! Like, it was just that, like, that good. All this motivation is just enough for All Might to regain his senses, and during this whole scene, we got a flashback to Nanashimura giving a young All Might a familiar speech. No matter how scared you are, you should smile to show that things will be okay. In this world, the ones who are smiling are the ones who are the strongest. Like, uh, remember that uh, smiling uh, talk that uh, All Might had with Deku back at the sports festival? That's, ah, yeah. That's where he got it from. That's where he got that sacred knowledge. All Might powers up his right arm, and with a smile on his face, he goes to face all for one, head-on, once more. And this moment, the moment that's coming up, as I feel a moment in anime history... This is something I feel we, as a society of anime fans, should always talk about and pass on to a younger generation of anime fans, so that they can pass it on to the next generation. Kind of like uh, one for all here. This is our one for all moment. The day all might faced on against all for one, and I'll splice you in the finish and and everything, but just holy crap! Just listen to this. Fear not, miss. <clears throat>
9: I'm not done yet. You are right. The hero has so much to protect in this world. Which is why I will defeat you!
0: Toshinori, when you think you can't go on anymore, look inside.
9: I must remember.
0: Remember why it is you clench your fist.
9: Where I started.
0: Your past. Remember where you came from. Keeping your origin in mind will help push you past your limit.
9: My origin? Of course. I want to make a world where everyone smiles and lives together happily.
7: How many times is he gonna have to counter such a large-scale attack? He should have been out of power a long time ago. Muscles are only forming on his right arm.
10: Distorted form can't be good. There it is. That's the last of your strength, isn't it? All might a wounded hero is a most frightening animal. Do you know that even now I sometimes dream of you charging at me with your entrails strewn across the ground? Oh no. You have what two or three punches left?
7: WHAT THE HELL'S GOING ON WITH THAT WEAK LITTLE BODY?! Looks like we made it in time. We've got the Nomu
9: under control. You have to help All Might! Suguchi must have expected this. He feared for his friend's life. Hmm. Those
10: Nomu weren't particularly strong, but I'm still impressed you handled them so quickly. As expected from the man who clawed his way to the number two spot. Damn
9: it, All Might! I did everything I could to get ahead of you. But the harder I worked, the more obvious it became just how much of a widening gap separated the two of us. The stronger you got, the angrier I became. Stand up and show them why you're better! Endeavor. If the only
10: reason you're here is to cheer him on, I prefer you to remain silent. Think again, madman. We're here to assist! That's
7: our job as heroes! You did your best, Mount Lady.
9: All of you came. Of course we did. We can't do much. But if we can just help a little, then we have fulfilled our duty. Thank you. You have to stop him, All Might. This personification of evil. Frozen citizens everywhere are praying for your victory. No matter what you look like, you're still everyone's number
10: one hero! Toshinori Yagi?
5: He's an interesting guy. A little crazy. For instance, he thinks that crime hasn't gone down because the citizens don't have anyone to rely on. That the world needs some kind of pillar of support. And he says that's what he's going to become one day.
7: Toshinori, you are a pillar. One that must not be broken. You are the number one hero. You can hear them, can't you? Even after everything he's done so far, the entire world continues to cheer you on. Their united voices cry out for your victory. That includes your students whose admiration knows no bounds, who aspire with their whole hearts to be like you. Ah!
10: Let's stop dwelling on heroism and start focusing on reality. Spring-like limbs. Kinetic booster times four. Strength enhancer times three. Multiplier. Hypertrophy. Rivets. Airwalk. Spear-like booze! The shockwaves until now were simply to wear you out. I knew it would take much more than that to kill you. In order to put you down for good. I'll punch you with the ultimate combination of quirks I have stored up within me right now. This will end you. I wasn't certain until we exchanged blows tonight, All Might, but now I am. One for all no longer dwells within you. What you're attacking me with is just a lingering ghost, the embers that remain from what you've already passed on. And that fire gets weaker every time you use it. Even now, it's a feeble spark about to put itself out. Izuku Victoria! He's the child you passed one for all onto, isn't he? I bet he came here without your asking. You have no control over him, do you? It sounds as though you'll die full of regrets, All Might. As a hero, AND as a teacher! Impact
9: recoil! You're right. As his teacher, I should have reprimanded him for coming here. I failed. Which is why I have to make it up to him! I see.
10: The weak embers inside you are resisting, trying to rekindle some of your former strength. A desperate attempt to rage against the inevitable and fulfill your duty. But it's not enough!
0: (laughs) When you think you can't go on anymore,
5: Remember.
9: I'll beat you. Not because I'm a symbol, but because I will do as my master did for me. Until I finish training young Majorius. Until he's ready. It's embarrassing how much you're resisting. I won't.
10: Perhaps I was wrong.
9: I refuse to die
7: won't be able to stop him head on. Use your wits. At the last moment, he transferred the power in his right arm to his left. He used his right arm as bait. But, a clever trick.
9: That's so unlike you, still weak though. That's because I didn't put my back into it that time.
0: This power has been passed on from hero to hero, each praying that it will bring joy and peace to humanity, that one for all will give the world hope. And now it is your turn. Do your best, Toshino. <laughs>
1: Stand up, hand over your heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the The United States States of SMASH! Smash! Oh my god. Like, the clip I'll splice you in is probably the entire second half of the episode, but fuck it, how could I not play the whole scene? It's so
2: God damn good. It's so good, you need a cigarette afterwards. Just, uh, talk about the scene, because holy shit, oh my god. <laughs> right, because you can't talk about it, because ah, you're so high I'm just it.
1: splooshing over the scene.
2: All for One tries to combine every strength-enhancing quirk he has in this final moment into one final punch, but All Might manages to clash with him and manages to redirect his quirk in such a way that he can get, get a smarter advantage over on All for One and really throw him for a real, like, Tommyknocker of a punch right here. And he unleashes one final punch. Not just, not just any punch, but one that contains... The final blazing embers of One For All that reside inside him. And, using the combined power of all the previous people that have held One For All, he unleashes his final his final gambit move, United States of Smash, to reign into the face of All For One. Defeating his mortal foe once and for all. Uh, nothing but respect for my president. And after, and once it is all done, after the cloud, after the dust has settled, all for one lays on the ground, and all might, in one final gesture, barely standing up, manages to raise his arm yeah. to the sky, and he manages to imbue himself with strength. One last time, in a victorious pose, to show to everyone in the world that he is still
3: here.
1: (laughs) God, what a scene. What a finale. Also, I just love the build-up to the punch. Like, before United States of Smash, you have, like, all the pro heroes coming in on All Might's behalf, you know, talking about how, like, he inspired them to do what they do, and, like, we're here for you. You are the pillar of our superhero society. And everyone all over Japan watching All Might just kind of, like, cheering them on, giving them their strength. Just, like, I honestly kind of got a little emotional watching this, going, like, this This is so beautiful. Because people it's, coming it's, together. It's
2: like, you're, it's like you're watching the final, like, glorious game of, like, a sports player or something, and, mm-hmm. like, they
1: just knock it out of the park. Yeah. It's that kind of satisfying. Mm-hmm. And so All Might has completed his final act as the symbol of peace. And with the camera on him, All Might raises his arm up, points directly at the camera to the people watching, and says, Now, it's your turn. The crowd thinks it's like a Goldberg-style year next, but really, he's addressing Deku. He knows Deku is watching, and this is him saying, You have to take up the mantle as the symbol of peace. It's your turn. The torch has officially been passed. And, like, I remember when I first watched this, like, I was right there with Deku. I was just kind of, like, tearing up. Just, like, this scene is just so powerful. It's It's like you're watching a legend bow out. It's so inspirational. It's like, like, thinking about a legend bowing out, it's like when, like, Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair had their final matches at WrestleMania, you know, with Shawn Michaels... Super kicking Ric Flair saying, I'm sorry I love you and then beating him in his final match or Sean losing to the Undertaker and being forced to retire.
2: It is the kind of emotional intensity when I saw the wind rises and realized that a legend that an animation legend like Hayao Miyazaki may never make another film again that was enough to bring me to tears. For for a brief moment yeah. until it was announced that he was gonna make another one. But still, in, in that moment. moment in that moment, it's that same kind of emotional intensity that like somebody has bowed out and that it's now up to the next generation to carry the torch ah just feelings such
1: a superb moment god horikoshi you take a fucking boo man and so let's wrap up the first half of season three with end of the beginning beginning of the end we come to the aftermath of the all for one fight all the nomu have been captured and all for one is in custody but the rest of the League, including Shigaraki, have gotten away, and the world is left without their symbol of peace. In a way, this can be seen as a win for the League, because it just gives them the opportunity to come back even stronger like they did before. Because, you know, with USJ, they attacked, they lost, came back even stronger with this training camp stuff, and now we don't have All Might anymore.
2: That is true. Like, I, I will admit, I, I'm not going to lie. They, oh, the League kind of did always make one good point, in that it seems like Japanese society has kind of relied way too much on All Might as a pillar of peace. Because they didn't call any other hero that. They didn't give any other hero a title like that. They didn't call Endeavor, like, a symbol of something else. He's a symbol of something, all right? Yeah, he's a symbol of something else entirely. Spousal abuse. (laughs) Like, they didn't didn't say that about the number, like, uh, three hero, or four hero, or five hero. Nobody else had that kind of influence but All Might. It's like everybody bet their chips on, like... Unlike Black entirely, and just got consistent wins for a while, but I don't know. Like, like it was that moment in the in the series where I realized, like, yeah, how is society gonna go forward now? Because everybody relied, did kind of rely way too much on All Might to keep the peace, and now that's gone. And uh, I think we're gonna be in for some rough times ahead, folks. Yeah.
1: Like, I hope we have a plan. Yeah, because like everyone's just like, what do we do now? Like, it, we had the great moment where All Might won, but it's just like, he's he's done, that's it. We're not going to have that moment anymore unless somebody steps up, but who's going to step up? Like, Prec- is there anyone just like him? Who knows? Precisely. It's this It's this sort of limbo everybody's kind of finding themselves in now. And so, Grant, Torino and Sukauchi are tasked with finding Shigaraki while All Might is set to focus on other matters since he's not in the right mindset to deal with him now. Meanwhile, the world is feeling all those effects of All Might's retirement and... One notable person is Endeavor, as he's now officially the number one hero by default, but he doesn't accept it, you know, he didn't earn it, he didn't win, All Might just lost.
2: Well, what I find interesting and very complex about uh, that, though, is that I think it's not just the fact that he didn't, like, earn it, it's the fact that he didn't earn it his way. Yeah. It's, the, it's because he didn't earn it his way through uh, Shoto, he didn't earn it through himself... And like his uh, all the sacrifices he made with his family life over time, you know, you are looking you're you're looking forward going forward. We're gonna be looking at uh, not just endeavor, but a man who has literally turned turned himself into like the worst possible version of himself just to obtain obtain a dream. And now that dream out the window. Yeah, every
1: everything he worked for before out the window, completely pointless. Yeah, like, the whole reason, like, he had Shoto Todoroki in the first place is, like, yeah, that's gone. He can't surpass All Might because All Might's gone. All of his plans down the drain. Yeah, just, like... And now he's just got what he has,
2: and he didn't earn it. Just, like, here you go. Just, you're the number one hero. Have fun. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, going forward, we're gonna be looking at a man who's gonna have to, like, come to terms with all the shitty things he did, and how, like, now, you know, none of it came to fruition. Mm-hmm you know he's got what he wanted but
1: he's got nothing else other than that nothing else just like everyone else what next also left wondering what next is deku but uh, later that night he gets a text from all might to meet him at the beach the very same beach deku cleaned up in season 1 deku and all might uh, run to each other it's all very happy and fun you know you get the like little like uh, shading all around the bu- all around the uh, the borders little of the sparkle screen, effects, little sparkle yeah. effects. it's like it's going to be a happy reunion and then all Might proceeds to give him a Texas Smash! More like a Rhode Island Smash. Yeah. <laughs> DC Smash. DC Smash, there we go. <laughs> and then he begins to uh, give out to Deku about getting himself involved in a dangerous situation. And I love his line here where he's like, You kids have some bad influences. And I bet Deku is thinking, I learned it by watching you! <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Still. He informs Deku of his retirement, and then he gives out to him more about how Deku keeps running into all these situations, you know, nearly killing himself, breaking himself at every chance he gets. But he then says how proud he is of Deku for being able to save Bakugo without injuring himself or fighting any villains, because, like, you know, and all that, we do forget that. Like, yeah, they didn't fight any villains, they saved Bakugo, no trouble, and everyone was safe and sound. Still, technically, mission accomplished. And they hug and All Might vows to keep training him. You know, he says like, hey, you're stuck with me. And it's just really sweet. And then like, they both start crying and All Might's just is all like, hey, what did I tell you about crying? You know, stop the waterworks, but he's still really tearing up. And it's, ah, I love it. Aww. like they are father and son. How can you not see them as father and son? So other than training Deku, what's All Might going to do now? Well, he's going to focus more on being a teacher to all of his students and not just Deku. And his first order of business is to convince the parents of the students to allow them to stay in the newly built UA dorms starting next semester. And uh, we start to get like uh, these little mini conversations here with the uh, with uh, Aizawa and all my talking to the parents of the 1A kids. And I just want to say, what do you think of them like uh, seeing some of the parents here? Well, one, it's just well, one. I was just very happy to
2: finally see some of the parents around here. I mean, we don't see everybody, of course, but Mm -hmm. like you know, we see just enough to get get an idea of what's going on here, and uh, and rightfully so, because how do you convince parents to the parents of the kids that were just endangered because you weren't able to protect them and convince them to put them in your care (laughs) (laughs) to protect them going forward? That's an awkward situation to be in.
1: Hey, we almost got them killed a second time, but hey, you know, third time's the charm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but I do like seeing Jiro's parents. Jiro's
1: parents seem really cool, actually.
2: Yeah, they seem pretty cool. You can almost imply, like, her father used to be a rock star, and his, her mom used to be, like, a groupie or something. And mm-hmm. they just kind of, like, you know, became, like, more responsible adults and try to keep things together for the family. I like
1: how Jiro brings up how like uh, her dad at that moment is just kind of like he's just putting on an act being all stern and strict when in reality he's just like he's like all for all might, you know, when like All Might defeated All For One, he was just all like,
6: "Yeah, All Might, woo!"
2: Yeah, you can kind of tell the, the mom there is the one who has to kind of wrangle those two together. Yeah. Make sure things actually, get, make sure shit actually gets done in the house. Yeah,
1: I'd love to see more of their relationship, just like, you know, father-daughter making music together or something. Oh, well, you will. Ah. You will. <laughs> all right. But also, uh, another set of uh, family dynamic we got to see is the, uh, the Bakugos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With uh, Bakugo's mom, that probably makes a lot of otaku very horny, and also his dad, Ned Flanders, <laughs> essentially. Heilie <laughs> ho, Quirkorinos.
2: <laughs> uh well, we see where Bakugo gets his literally everything from. Where he gets his moxie from his mom. <laughs> Uh but a sweet little moment though where she actually uh says that she does actually appreciate uh, what Izawa said about her son that he does have some uh pretty good conviction and that uh and also that some uh, time out of the house uh not being around the being around the two of them and bothering them so much yeah. <laughs> will
1: actually be good for the kid. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to do like uh, wonders for like uh, Mr and Mrs Bakugo's relationship not having Katsuki in the house.
2: Oh yeah, you you know they like first night they get him out of the house they're going to bone so fucking hard <laughs> it's gonna be
1: explosions up the yin yang <laughs> <laughs> gonna have that finally have that second honeymoon <laughs> <laughs> and so after meeting with the bakugos all might heads out to the midoriya household to visit deku and mama midoriya and i love how awkward and they and nervous they are about uh, all might being in their home they're, they're all like uh, just calm down mom you know it's just the foremost simple piece in our house right in front of us you know just...
2: superman came to your house for some tea yeah you'd be <laughs> shitting yourself too yeah
1: probably <laughs> Also, uh, I like this cute moment here where All Might passes by uh, Deku's room and he looks in and he sees all of the merch that Deku has collected over the years and he kind of gives like a very approving smile and chuckle. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) I really did sell out. (laughs) Uh... So we get Mama Midoriya's conversation with All Might and how she doesn't approve of Deku attending UA anymore. And I'll splice in uh, bits and pieces of the scene because it's a really good one.
5: Izuku has admired you for so long, even though he never developed a quirk as a kid. And then, miraculously, one suddenly appeared. But ever since enrolling at UA, my child just keeps getting hurt. Look at his arms. He can't keep this up. One fight, one villain, and he might never use them again. I watched you on TV, and I saw what that man did to you. As a regular citizen, I'm so thankful for your bravery, but... As a mother, I was terrified. Izuku wants to be just like you. But if he follows your path, his future will be filled with blood. So I'm sorry.
4: Oh, help me! I am here!
5: But he's my son.
4: I'm sorry.
5: Forgive me, Izuku. Back when you were quirkless. You were always so happy just watching the heroes do their jobs. Maybe it was better that way. I don't know. That's not true! Honey, I told you I'd support you, but that I wouldn't stop worrying. Do you remember that? And I know all you want is to keep going to UA. But... I can't take it
6: anymore. I shouldn't have been surprised. I'd been ignoring my mother's feelings for so long.
5: I'll speak frankly, sir. As Izuku's mother, I don't have the nerves I'd need to entrust my son to UA. Not with everything that's happened at your school. It doesn't matter what a wonderful hero you are. When the villains attacked, every class had to be cancelled. And you couldn't stop your students from getting seriously injured, almost killed. I won't put my son in danger. It's my duty, as his mother, to keep
6: him safe. Ma'am... It's not like that, Mom! It's my own fault that I kept getting hurt! The teachers warned me over and over again, but I didn't listen!
5: So you're saying you didn't learn? Don't you think that means the school's responsible?
9: Young man, sit down.
5: I might be acting like an overprotective parent, but I'm at peace with that. And while I don't want to steal my son's dream away from him, he can always go to a different school. There are lots of other hero courses out there besides the one at UA.
2: What do you think of this? Oh, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's another one of those like really like, uh, nice relatable moments where you're just seeing somebody who's, um, seen her little boy suffer so much and destroy himself in pursuit of his dream. One that, uh, he just until recently was finally able to, um, uh, you know, it like, jump headlong into. And, God, you can really understand this woman and where she's coming from.
1: Like, she's probably had, like, six heart attacks at this point. You can
2: tell. She has a panic attack every time <laughs> every time <laughs> Deku goes through a heroin experience. And what parent wouldn't? What yeah. parent wouldn't be so concerned it's... that their kid is going to get, like, their head put on a spike or something after, if like they, like, go out on, like, a summer camping trip? It's real and understandable. So yeah, this woman has genuine
1: fears, and it's and it's very well written to where you completely understand where she's coming from. And I do like the uh, the moment where Deku tries to, like, convince his mom to, like, let him stay at UA because he brings out the, uh, the note that uh, Koda wrote to him saying, like, hey, you know, the training camp may have screwed me up, but, like, I still ended up saving someone. There's this kid that, like, really appreciated my help and kind of looks up to me at this point, and, you know, I want to do more to, like, other kids and other people in the world, just like that. And also, uh, I'm pretty sure Deku waited until after this conversation was over to tell them about how he got punched in the balls by this kid. (laughs) Uh, No hard feelings, but let's just say in the future I'm going to consider a nut
9: cup for my (laughs)
3: costume.
9: (laughs) Young Midoriya. You are not just an aspiring hero following in my footsteps. You are on your own path toward greatness. As your teacher, I must walk beside you. I'm afraid I haven't been up front, ma'am. Please allow me to try again. I believe that young Izuku is the right person to succeed me. That is, he is my choice to become the world's next symbol of peace.
5: Uh, Hold on. What are you saying, All Might? What is this?
9: It's an apology, as the one who held that title. I allowed myself to remain his hero rather than giving my all as his teacher. I'm sorry. Ah! As a UA teacher, I implore you to forgive my past weakness. It's true that my path has been filled with blood. But that is what makes me the right person to help him find his own way. Free of the mistakes that I made as a young hero.
4: Don't do this, All He never gives up. Even when things seem impossible,
9: do you think I can be a hero too? The heroes at UA know that things can't continue as they've been. We're committed to ensuring the safety of our students from here on out. It's our top priority. Look not at the current UA, but toward the future. Will you allow me to devote myself to young Izuku? Together we will go beyond. I will lift him up. And I will protect your son, even if it costs me my life.
1: And also another moment I really like is how uh, All Might tries to, like, uh, convince uh, Mama Midori here, where, like, he powers himself up for just enough time to, like, bow before her, you know? Like, he's not doing this as, like, Small Might, Tushinori. He's doing this as, like, symbol of peace, you know, trying to get down on like someone else's level well, and
2: straight up admitting too that Midoriya is the one that he would entrust the future to as well those that's high praise yeah from
1: like you're basically your Superman right here precisely and so a promise is made Deku can still attend UA as long as he's careful and as long as all might is there to protect him and you know he's gonna be there every step of the way Though I kind of wonder if uh, after that conversation was over, if uh, before all might left, he kind of asked Deku if his mom was single. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, uh, young Midoriya, I kind of noticed that it's just you and your mom living together, and uh, don't see your father around anywhere. I'm just, you know. Yeah, no, she... I got a dad. Yeah, you know, is, uh, is she? Uh, you know, I I know he's not around, but uh, is uh, you know. She interested in seeing anyone on the side. I mean,
2: he works overseas, and, and, and I'm pretty sure he keeps uh, in pretty good contact with her. You know. Uh,
1: you, you sure? You know, maybe you can give me your number so I can uh, give her updates on your uh, on your status uh, this semester. Don't push it. <laughs> Come on, it's you know, it's a uh, good it's it's networking, young Midoriya. Don't do this to me all might. <laughs> you sure? Lines have been drawn, <laughs> my master. <laughs> And so we close out this podcast with All for One being locked in a maximum security prison, Tartarus, which kind of looks like the raft from uh, the Spider-Man series. Yeah, it does kind of. Uh, and he gives like an internal monologue that for Tomura Shigaraki, it's his turn too. Just, whoa. And that, that is only the first half of My Hero Academia Season 3. Holy crap, what a season. Final thoughts.
2: Did you hear me throughout this whole thing? This is genuinely one of my favorite arcs in all of uh, the series thus far. This is definitely, like, you hear me fucking splooshing everywhere about this arc, too. Pro- highlights, of course, being, like, the top villain of all, All for One. The clash between All Might and All for One. This this epic passing of the torch moment that uh, is a big defining and turning point for the entire series. And of course, for me going forward, um, it's just knowing that we have, like, um, a good League of Villains to kind of work off of going forward. Because, again, I, I didn't really clarify this before, but I really, 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 really love the League of Villains as a whole. I don't love any one of them, like, more than the other. I love them all together, equally. They're all your evil children. All my evil children. And I don't know what it is. I think... You know what? I realize what it is. I think I just have a really big soft spot for groups of misfits banning together and, you know, going towards some kind of goal, you know? Because you you don't get that as much with, like, the uh, main protagonists of the series where everybody is kind of, like, already on equal terms and stuff and, like, everybody's kind of, like, accepts one another. They're all just accepting teenagers, which is good on its own. But, like, man, if you get a good story where, like, you have a bunch of people like together that are like all have one common goal that all came from like very different backgrounds and are like just the absolute dregs of society. You have got me hooked. And with the league of villains, I absolutely get that. And with the, with the way they're currently being portrayed in the manga, holy shit. Like one of my favorite villain
1: groups of any manga period. Yeah. Like, They're basically the anchor to this whole arc right here. Like, without them, there is no arc. Like, you really need, like, a group of baddies like this. And, you know, like you said, how they're, like, a very fun group of, like, weirdos and misfits.
2: All of them different, all of them weird in, like, their own special ways, but, like,
1: still working together. They're villains who are looking out for each other. Like, you can also, like, see them as, like, they're kind of, like, 1A in a way where, like, You can love them all equally, but also you can also have, like, people say, like, oh, that's my boy, that's my girl, but in the end, you you just still all love them equally.
2: No joke, like, where the series is, like, currently today, I think in some ways I like them more than, like, Class 1A. (laughs) I'm not joking. I think I legit like the League of Villains
1: more than the heroes. (laughs) In a way, they're kind of like the Squadra from uh, JoJo Part 5, where they're just, like, these group of, like, crazy weirdos, but you just, like... You almost kind of want to cheer for them in a way.
2: Yeah, in a weird way you kind of do. They're just fun to watch. And I guess maybe I can, I'm only really saying that based on like what I know of them currently in the series. But like I can I think nobody can deny that this is like a strong set of villains we have like set up for us. Yeah, right and a lot right of
1: now. a lot of really good introductions is like some of them like uh Twice or seeing more of like uh Himiko or like uh, or like uh Dobby too. Yeah, like all all villains you really want to see more of going into the future. Yeah, and, like, also as for that, like, the action is, like, has never been better in the show. Like, this series already had great action, because, like, like fucking last season we had the awesome Deku Todoroki fight. No, but
2: there were many moments where they had to, like, amp up the budget,
1: like, really, like, work those animators and stuff. Bones is giving My Hero Academia all the money, and it shows, like, they're really getting a return on their investment with this series.
2: Yes, yes, you can tell that, like, these scenes had, like, a lot of time taken towards them and stuff. And that the, the the work of the animators really showed off because these are some big moments that need to stick in viewers' minds, and they pulled it off with
1: flying colors. Yeah, like you can't do this cheaply. Like I am so still appreciative that My Hero Academia has like the broadcast schedule that it does. You know, one season a year, take a break for like six months, come back for like six four months of like animation while you like let your animators rest in between. B- bones went plus ultra here man they did you could you wouldn't expect this from like stuff like studio perot or whatever they'd find a way to fuck it up no not at
2: all so man just good good job to all you those animators at
1: bones you you are all the best and also like i said united states of smash it's a moment in his in anime history like anyone who calls himself an anime fan like they need to like watch the scene preserve it and pass it down to like younger generations you know don't be a fucking gatekeeper fucking let people watch this get to the scene and appreciate it so they can pass it down to the next generation and next generation after that be this let that moment be one of the best moments that people talk about when talking about anime you know whether it be like you know up there like say akira or whatever or like dragon ball z having the father son kamehameha like you know those moments that people always go back to and saying like man Anime is not a mistake. It's great. I agree fully. It's one of those moments to be curated and shared among all. Thank you for listening to the third part of Summer of Heroes. I've been your host Mikey and you can find me at my social medias at MikeyShota on Twitter Mikeyshiota.tumblr.com and Mikey Shiota on Instagram. And where can we find you, Ryan? You can find me at WolfishGrin on Twitter and Wolfish grin on Tumblr and Nowhere on Instagram. I'll get you on Instagram soon enough. One of these days. <laughs> And be sure to follow the show's Twitter at Anime underscore baby. That's Anime underscore B-A-Y, B-A-Y And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please send them to AnimeBebePod at gmail.com. That's AnimeBebePod at gmail.com. Man, we're about like two-thirds of the through summer, though. Yes, but... Uh, almost, done, almost done with this Summer of Heroes. But uh, next time, when we continue Summer of Heroes... Uh, I would say before we get right into the uh, second half of Season 3, you know, you'd know, think we'd uh, go there next, but uh, nah. We're going to be taking a bit of a detour, uh, you know, since it's summer, the time for vacations and traveling. I think we need to take a little trip. A trip to a certain island. Where would you suggest? In Eye Island, if you will, for the Eye Expo. That's right, next time we'll be covering the My Hero Academia movie two heroes I thought it was the second half but no movie time movie time but until then thanks again for listening and this has been anime Anime, baby! baby